show, you can do that. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Coming up, mortgage rates could be hitting 8% soon. We can talk about that, but uh, there's something that happened a little more close to home that I thought was worthy of discussion. With you here tonight, it's Ian. And Jay Noon. And Jay has been in the studio with us telling us the uh, ridiculous story over the last several months, most of a year, uh, that has happened to his family with the ongoing attack by the people calling themselves the Division of Children and Families, Children, Youth, and Families here in New Hampshire, and also the Concord Police Department bringing criminal charges or a criminal count uh, against his wife, Shallon for the dastardly crime, which, in my opinion, was not a crime, and there was a whole courtroom of people that agreed with you and I on this, Jay. Uh, lots of friends packed the court for the trial that happened a couple months ago. Yep. Uh, that uh, the idea of leaving a two-year-old strapped into a car seat in a car with climate control turned on, on what was a nice day anyway in New Hampshire. Like, in March. I think it was like 65, 70 degrees or so. Un- unseasonably warm day uh, for March. And leaving the child there asleep in the car, again strapped in, as Shallon put it at her sentencing hearing today, which we do have video of, I just haven't gotten it online yet. Uh, she put it in uh, at her hearing for the sentencing today. She said, you know, I know my child. I know their sleep patterns, their sleep schedule. I know when to, you know, when I can walk away and when not. Because, you know, I think she also pointed out that in a parent's life, there are times especially as children get older, that they are left alone. And you guys don't sleep in the same bed with your kids. Most people would find that kind of weird after a certain point. Uh, so, you know, when it when your kids are asleep at night, you're not in the same room, right? Nope. Yeah, they got their, they got their own bed. And most uh, people wouldn't think that's like an abandonment problem or negligence, child negligence or whatever the charge was. What was the exact uh, uh, charge? Child endangerment. Child endangerment. Which, by the way, the police officer that they had, the one cop that they called to the trial to testify, admitted under your cross-examination, because you were able to represent your wife in court, uh, he admitted that there was no endangering going on, that there was no danger that this child uh, could face. But then he started to just cook up all these different things that could have happened. You know, like a meteor could have struck the car out of uh, the sky (laughs) or, you know, whatever. Just ridiculous uh, theories. He didn't actually use that one, but the things he was bringing up were pretty outrageous, pretty ridiculous. Uh, You know, this two-year-old that's strapped into the car seat is going to put the car in gear and all of a sudden, you know, pull out and crash the car. My favorite is when he said, choke on a pacifier. And and I said, uh, are you aware that pacifiers are engineered and designed size specifically so children cannot choke on them? And he's like, no. Nope. He but he don't have know. any kids. You don't mm-hmm. know. That's why he didn't know that, right? The judge doesn't even have any kids, best I nope, can tell. doesn't seem like it. Uh, the prosecutor didn't have any kids. The social workers didn't have any biological children from DCYF. But yet they're all telling you guys how you should be raising your children. Oh, yeah. Yep. And so, unfortunately, uh, you did not prevail at the bench trial, and Shallon was found guilty of this ridiculous charge. Today was the sentencing day. And uh, the sentence could have been worse. It was a Class A misdemeanor count, which 
in New Hampshire can get you up to a year in jail and I believe like $1,100 or $1,200 in fines, somewhere in that range. And there was no fine issued. They, uh, the prosecution asked for 10 classes, parenting classes, and the judge did decline to order the parenting classes, claiming that the criminal record was enough punishment to deter so-called future uh, you know, potential issues. Yeah. And he did sentence her to 45 days in jail, suspended, which means that she doesn't actually have to go to jail. It means that the 45 days will not be imposed upon her unless she's arrested for something else within the next year. So basically, she has to be on quote-unquote good behavior for one year's time, and then the 45 days will go away. It will no longer be hanging over her head, uh, so to speak. So that was the result today. And, of course, some of the theory was that the judge went light on the sentence. Number one, of course, because she has absolutely no criminal record whatsoever. Uh, But number two, because they really don't want you guys to appeal this thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. And you are intending to appeal it because... Thankfully, they charged it as a Class A. Had they charged it as a Class B misdemeanor, there would be no appeal to a jury available. It would have to, if you're going to appeal it, it would have to go straight to the Supreme Court. But now, because it's a Class A instead of a Class B, she can appeal to what they call a de novo trial. And then that in Latin, I believe, means from the beginning. And so what that means is that you get another crack at the apple or a bite at the apple. You get to go uh, to Superior Court. You get to pick a jury. You get to present the case. They, the state has to present the case again. That means they got to call back all the witnesses that they called in. And it wasn't just a cop in this case. They had at least three sort of lay witnesses, people who were in the parking lot uh, at the time, including one woman who was the initial call to the police, who, as we learned later on, and this will be interesting information to have when you're actually cross-examining her right. this time around, uh, is that, because you didn't know it at the time, but... Research was done into this woman who complained, and it turns out she just so happens to work for the county prosecutor's office. Same prosecutor that uh, same prosecutor's office that has prosecuted all kinds of free staters. Yeah, prosecuted uh, you know, like um, Pamela and Tyler Workman, who mm-hmm. were uh, Rochelle Kelly's accomplices in the uh, letting the kids play at the playground during right. during the uh, scam crime. Uh, and you know, those guys were all found not guilty. And actually, uh, Tyler Workman filed a complaint uh, with the um, Concord chief of police against the officers that, you know, that the officer brought the uh, mm. uh, warrant against him. Nowhere. And he got a, a no trespassing order <laughs> filed against him from the uh, Concord police. Wow. Then you have the classy. You got the New Hampshire Noble Nine, a bunch of people who were charged with uh, disorderly conduct based. I, yeah. I, I can I That's can right. tell. And, and I think so, that was the state police who prosecuted that one. Uh, so it may have been a different they're, prosecutor. They're all good buddies. Sure, they, they are, all work course. with each other. You know, they, they, they. I heard one time, Jay, years ago, that there was a contest between government bureaucracies and government agents to see who could arrest the most free staters. Oh, really? Yeah, I heard that rumor. I don't know if it's true. That, that's it, like I that mean, they had a game that they would play, and you would earn points for different things that uh, you could do or get away with with the free staters. Quite possibly. Yeah, yeah I believed it. Uh, so today, again, was just kind of a uh, a necessary procedure in order to get to the next step. Because, again, the uh, this particular sentence is not being imposed, even if it was actual jail time, even if uh, Shallon was sentenced to go to jail for, for the 45 days without it being suspended. I'm pretty sure she still would have walked out of there because she still has the right to appeal. 
and they would likely not incarcerate her on uh, on that. But again, it was just, it was suspended anyway, so it doesn't doesn't really matter. So the next step is you will likely be uh, getting in touch with the superior court. Uh, they will schedule a hearing there. And then you're going to get to pick a jury, and the whole thing starts. Well, all there's going to be a handful of hearings happening. You know, of course, we're do yeah, a pre-trial hearing, conference, motion trialing, to dismiss, you're, uh, challenging the jurisdiction of the court. We're right. going to do a motion yep. to dismiss hearing. Uh, I'm going to need very exact and precise discovery. I mean, we're going to need to have all of the conversations that the police officers had about this. You mean the, like with, the people calling in from? Well, no, I mean like when uh, uh, the cop who in the office, like the, the just the cop who wrote the uh, warrant, who, mm-hmm. who did the um, application for warrant, Justin D. Gallico. Now that's who, not the one they called to the stand, right? right because if and anybody who read this warrant. You know, you know, I can't believe this warrant even got any got a signature on it. I mean, another mm. guy who needs to be investigated is you know the um, the justice of the peace of the state of New Hampshire who who uh, who who uh, basically signed off on this warrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says right in the warrant. I'm, I'm going to uh, read this is a an second. arrest warrant. This is an arrest okay. warrant that was issued immediate immediately after the uh, the the DCYF case in family court, Hillsborough Family Court, Hillsborough, New Hampshire. Uh, the chief of police did the uh, motion to intervene. I read his affidavit on a show here about a month or so ago, six weeks ago, and he did a uh, a motion to intervene to uh, vacate this uh, contempt order uh, mm. that they wanted to put against us because these social workers lied. And mm. in this, uh, and 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 the chief of police told these social workers and family court uh, on multiple occasions there is no neglect, there is no abuse. I've met with the family; the kids are clean. You know, mm-hmm. you know all this stuff. He knows. Were you talking about subpoenaing him? Yes. Oh, he's okay. definitely going to be subpoenaed to the next one. They're going to, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure they're going to fight that he doesn't uh, become a witness because uh, they don't want him there. And, of course not. Um, but uh, like uh, one, uh, one little quote from this warrant. So this is a warrant application, paragraph five. Mm-hmm. At the time, Officer Billado and I did not see the daughter in any type of intimate danger and thought Shallon was able to take care of her. <laughs> Uh, while I was next to Shallon, she opened a driver's side door, and I was able to feel a cold breeze from inside the vehicle. So th- wow. this is a line out of this. Um, in the warrant application. In the warrant application. Amazing. It, 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 and it is amazing that it went. Anywhere. Yeah. Uh, any further after that. And so <clears throat> I had a talk with a state representative today uh, on the phone for a while, mm-hmm. and we ta- and we were started talking about um, the pay that these social workers get. So I have uh, a whole list of social workers that were in- interacted with the Henniker PD that I got, you know, from the um, right, a right to know request because uh, I got a whole bunch of emails and we started looking up these social workers uh, pay. You can do that. I think it's gencourt.mobile or gen.courtmobile. It's a New Hampshire NHL. Gencourtmobile.com, I think. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gencourt.mobile.com. Okay. Gencourtmobile.com. Anyways, the... Um, uh, uh, they um, payments the, uh, the, the salary of these social workers. Uh, the supervisor show, social worker made like a hundred and something thousand dollars, like a hundred and four or hundred eight thousand wow. dollars. I don't That's know if it was twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, but like forty five thousand of it was like overtime. So like forty thousand was overtime, five thousand was like holiday pay, mm-hmm. and then there's some other little pay bracket thing. That one wasn't too much. It wasn't a lot of money. But uh, like J.R. Hole, uh, uh, who's a now a state representative, he's a guy where DCYF, you know, got an order to just remove his kids from his home because he'd given him ivermectin months before. Mm-hmm. 
And, be, you know, and, and it's like, what is wrong with these people? Are they just like watching, you know, CNN? And did they read the garbage Rolling Stone report that people were in the ER in some hospital in Oklahoma overwhelming the hospital for taking um, ivermectin, which was just a total false reporting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyways, <clears throat> the uh, so J.R. So J.R. Hole, uh, he's talking he's on one of these committees in the state uh, state house talk that, that it has to do with uh, funding DCYF. And he's just like, you know, it's it, it's insane the amount of money they're asking for now. They're asking for overtime pay, um, like a half a million dollars worth of overtime pay for these guys before, you wow. know, they even have done the overtime. Because these, these uh, social workers are getting paid all this overtime and they're getting all these benefits. And, of course, they can't do – it doesn't matter if they do anything wrong because they're just totally 100% covered and qualified – with the qualified immunity stuff. Mm-hmm. So they can do whatever they want because nobody's ever staved after school. The only people in DCYF, it seems that uh, get fired or anything happens to it are ones that are actually caught with uh, child molesting porn people, or yeah. they're on, they're in videos, you know, molesting children or like, you know, doing or raping children, raping. There's a couple of teenagers who were raped uh, not long ago mm-hmm. um, by uh, the husband of a social, of, of a social worker that, you know, was a foster, you know, parent also, um, so, so the he, only solution here is to abolish them entirely. I mean, it's not to cut their pay. Yep. It's not to cut the staff. It's not to, you know, whittle around with the, you know, we, try to reduce the regulations or whatever. It's to cut it out entirely. You got yes. a cancer, you get rid of that thing. Yes. Right? Yeah, and, 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 uh, and, and, you know, the thing is, is <clears throat> just with my case in general, I, I can tell you, that they have just in all their emails and all their correspondence, they spent a significant amount of time on on, on my case, mm-hmm. and these guys are just raking in the dough with overtime. And half meanwhile, them, there's probably some actual parents abusing kids in New Hampshire, but they're spending time on you guys. There is so many reports mm-hmm. of people that have uh, uh, are like calling DCYF, they're calling the police. Hey, these kids, you know, smell like you know feces mm-hmm. and urine the the the, the, oh, the the people in school are like oh the kids have an eight and you know the kids say they're you know don't have any food at home and uh this was happening right in my right in right in henniker at the mm-hmm. same exact time that they were very interested in my family who my kids are you know well fed well clothed well yeah. behaved and uh and they're you know good uh healthy kids and they um you know but they're also those kind of kids are the ones that are uh, valuable to to adopt out, mm-hmm. and you know, with the uh, the people in DCYF, uh, you know, it's, it, it, these social workers, uh, I'm hearing some chatter and seeing some things where these guys are involved in, uh, you know, um, adoption agencies. So all these adoption agencies have social workers, you know, working in them or doing something with them because stuff mm-hmm. doesn't get improved unless it goes through a social worker. And uh, these social workers have no oath of office. They don't have any insurance, a uh, bonding insurance, according supposedly. to the documents. Supposedly. But they might. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, these guys lie about everything. You mm-hmm. know, it's a thing. So you really don't know. Even with their public records requests, they just lie. So they they ended up, um, you know, they're just, uh, they're a massive liability. And there's probably hundreds of thousands of dollars just in pay uh, to the social workers and the lawyers, because there's several lawyers involved in this, mm-hmm. and never mind all of the hours of the police, and then you got the hour, uh, you know, Henniker police, you got the hours of, you know, these, um, you know, what's it cost to run that courtroom we were in today? 
right? You know, know. what's that prosecutor get paid? You know, what's that judge get paid? You know, the prosecutor today had a bodyguard with him because, you know, sure sure looked that way. You know, there was a cop in there with him and, and just there's, there's so many hours and then my time, they took Mm. so much time away from, well, I care about it. I know you do. Uh, They took so, and and that's why you're not getting paid. No, I'm not getting paid and I will be demanding $50,000 an hour from you guys. I already sent them one invoice Mm -hmm. a long time ago, well over a year ago, uh, you know, the DCYF. And yeah, so it's just, it's, it's an entire garbage system. This thing could have been put to a stop at any point along the way by almost, you know, by any of these characters, you know, that have their signature on these documents. Yeah. And you guys actually asked the judge today, uh, the man in the robe there in the room, he, uh, you gave him the chance. Uh, Shallon addressed him directly and said, you know, you could put a stop to this. You have the opportunity to avoid wasting anyone else's time because now you guys are going to have to spend hours and hours and hours preparing for another trial, which will likely be even you know longer because you guys have more plans this time around. You learned yep. how to do it better uh, the second time out, so you're going to put a little more effort in. But that's time that's taken away from your family. That's time that you could otherwise be out working on the farm with the kids, which you guys love to do. Well, it's and, time I could be teaching kids, you know, how to build their confidence with my man yeah. camp curriculum. You know, that, that a lot of that. Well, this will just have hold. to be a new uh, man camp curriculum. Uh, how to how yes. to go to court <laughs> well, with confidence. You know, every kid by the time everybody by the time they're 18 years old as an adult really knows how to de- needs to know how to deal to government. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that you know are. You know, have lived their entire, uh, you know, adult life and, you know, in their 50s, 60s and 70s. And they would they're terrified of dealing with the government. And then all of a sudden they're in court. We actually just read last night uh, the story about the Kansas newspaper, a real small town. I think it was Marion, Kansas, where they actually uh, raided the newspaper's offices on Friday. And the people that run this newspaper, I mean, it's a newspaper, they're elderly. The guy that runs oh, the yeah. thing is 69 years this. old. His mom who was still alive on Friday, 98 years old, died the next day. She could not handle the stress, the difficulty of going through a raid, which is an incredibly stressful thing to go through. And she was 98 years old. She died the following day after this. It's absolutely ridiculous. And now, a few days later... The prosecution is saying, oh, yeah, that raid was doesn't look like it was legal. There was no legal nexus. So just go ahead and give all the stuff back. Well, you can get your stuff back, but you can't get your mom back who passed away. So just it's just an example of how hard people take their first encounter with the police. I mean, for most people, it's just you, you get pulled over and you get a ticket. But even that is an adrenaline pumping kind of encounter. I think yeah, for you're a lot under of people. attack. You're you, you know, I would almost rather have a bunch of. You know, Latin kings walk up to me mm. with, you know, clubs, you know, to my truck. Well, you could than, defend yourself in you know, that case. Then uh, blue lights flashing in the rear view. I mean, the uh, the adrenaline pumps for people, not because you're doing something wrong, but because, you know, this psychopath that's walking up to your car could very well kill you and over he, this. And he's got blanket qualified immunity. Right. So he'll be protected from whatever kind of violence he decides to ensue. If he doesn't ensue direct violence against you, then you just lucked out. You got a uh, less insane psychopath for the moment who just wrote you a ticket, and now you're going to be forced to go into the court system. So, I mean, having been uh, to so many different court hearings, I I mean, I don't even know how many hundreds and hundreds of court hearings I've probably been to and arraignments and things like that. Uh, As you may or may not know, Jay, I for uh, many times have passed out, not passed out, but given out uh, flyers 
in yep. these courtrooms and outside of courtrooms all around New Hampshire, focusing mostly on this area, uh, the Keene area of New Hampshire, which are all about not just jury nullification, we have those flyers, but we also have flyers about not taking a plea deal. And the reason is because people just do not understand this system that they are forced into. And it is a scary system. I have heard from many people who are going into court of all ages, you know, people in their 20s, 40s, 50s, and up, people who have said to me, this is my first time here. I am scared. I don't know what I'm doing. Thank you so much for this information because they have no one with them. There's no one helping them. There's no expertise that they can turn to. I mean, the average person can't afford to bring an attorney on. If you if you get a ticket for having an open container of alcohol as you're walking down the street in Keene, New Hampshire or something like that, that ticket's only going to cost you know, to pay 150 bucks or whatever it is, right? Like it's just to sit down with the lawyer for an hour. You're going to have to pay $200. And you can't even do that. All these lawyers I've called and talked to, hey, I'd like to, you know, go over some Mm -hmm. stuff with you. Can I just hire you for your hourly rate for like, you know, an afternoon for four hours, five hours? I don't do things like that. I I won't even talk. I won't even talk to you about it. And these are like lawyers that like people have recommended to me. Damn. Oh, this guy's a good guy. Check him out. I'm like, dude, your guy's not a good guy. He's not even interested. You know, he's just uh, he's just raking it in. Yeah. And you know, lawyers are like car mechanics too. They can just pick and choose what they want to take for cases because they're so busy. Well, here's another so one much litigation for you because I know you've got you've been bending the ear of a state representative or two. What about abolishing the rule that says you have to be a bar accredited attorney in order to quote unquote practice law in New Hampshire? Yeah, I, that would be. I mean, yeah, that and the prosecute the prosecutors should be barred from bringing any case forward unless there is an actual injured party, mm, property nice. damage, or they can. There is an allegation of a violation of a legal right. That would be amazing to pass that one. That is, uh, that would be like that would take care of so much stuff. I like it. Yeah, if you haven't made a note about that one, definitely do it. Uh, the number here, if you want to join the show, if you want to comment on all this, the number is 603-283-6160. We can talk about some economic news, uh, which ain't looking good, uh, but that's on the way here as well. 603-283-6160. If you could change the court system, what would you do? I would love to hear your ideas. 603-283-6160. You can bring up anything you want. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. 
It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. Whether you want to talk about how to fix a terrible court system, I would love to hear from you. The number is 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash. Dash is digital cash. It is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. And there aren't a lot of cryptos that are focusing on that. Dash has been around for a very, very long time. They are one of the original cryptos, one of the first, I think, 15 uh, cryptocurrencies that ever came into existence. Now there are 10,000-plus cryptos out there. Uh, so Dash has a long history of focusing on the issue of being actually useful in the marketplace to buy and sell things. And in fact, Dash has transaction fees that are less than one cent. In fact, way less than one cent. You compare that to Bitcoin's transaction fees, which are typically these days in the dollar range on uh, your median transaction. Last time I looked, it was like $2 on average. So, you know, if you actually want to use cryptocurrency as a currency, check out Dash. Their transactions are instant, they're irreversible, and they're protected from 51% attacks by their chain locks technology. They've also got the world's first decentralized autonomous organization. Yeah, that's right. They did that first. Uh, And Dash has been around for a long time. As I said, it's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. And big thanks to the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. We're talking about the nightmarish court system, which unfortunately, Jay, your family is being forced into right now. By the Concord Police Prosecution, who came after your wife uh, for child endangerment, which is a total BS Endangering charge. the welfare of a child. Yeah, and uh, in order to prove this charge, there was a certain terminology that you guys brought up in court. I didn't make a note of exactly what it was, but it was this sort of vague standard of you know whether or not the child was in danger. Do you remember what the... The phrase was it was like this vague thing they um, had to prove. And uh, something of duty. Yeah, uh, duty of care. Duty of care. Yes, that was it. So if you had abandoned your so-called duty of care, and that they could uh, prove that beyond a reasonable doubt, then guilty and sentenced. And today, the sentence was handed down in a case involving your wife stepping into a TJ Maxx. I think it was. For a few moments while leaving the child in the car, uh, strapped into a car seat, two years old, child was asleep, only woke up because the police knocked on the car window. Right. She probably would have slept all the way through your wife's visit to uh, the TJ Maxx and then everything would have been fine. But no, some local busybody who just so happens to work for the police prosecutors or the county prosecutor's office saw your car probably noticed the freedom friendly bumper stickers yep that's what i believe yep and then decided to call the cops and now you guys have been drug around through this system for what over a year oh yeah well over a year it's a year and a half yeah march uh, of 22 when it was and And now you're gonna have to go to an appeal to a jury trial and you know that is what brought us into this discussion about getting rid of the Department of Children and Families, uh, getting you know, the uh, system changed so people can 
Well, first of all, so I think you made a great suggestion. So the only prosecution that can happen is where there's an actual identifiable victim, someone who was harmed or their property was harmed in some way, shape, or form by the person that they're coming after. And this would include contract violations. So this would include mm-hmm. shoplifting, yeah. you know, motor vehicle accidents, sure. um, you know, uh, if you damage someone's property. Theft uh, and destruction, and, absolutely. And yeah. Any kind of assault and batteries against people. And, you know, it's becoming sort of, uh, you know, the thing the past several years, we see a lot of these cities like San Francisco melting down because they're literally not charged, not, not prosecuting people for shoplifting. Uh, but you know, right. they're, they're, they're going after Elon Musk for not having a permit for changing his sign on the side of a building he has in San Francisco. They and sure they, are. Yeah. And, but you know, they're not going after the people shoplifting and right. the mass, uh, you know, what do they call it when you have like 50 people, you know, ramsack a store there's just nothing going on about it, and they're just just allowed to get away with it. Yeah, I think that's a really great idea to uh, to mandate there be a victim because there's so many police resources that are focused on victimless crimes, and this is one way that you could just cut off the head of things like the war on drugs and the war on you know prostitution or gambling or whatever other things that they are going after out there. Even speeding tickets. Uh, again, no victim. No crime. Now, of course, it's not going to be easy to get something like that through, but it may actually be easier to push something like that idea through than the idea of just ending the war on drugs. There may be less pushback against the idea of let's have a victim here. Why shouldn't every crime charged have an actual victim that has to get called to the stand in a trial and testify? And the thing is, unless they're dead, you know, and. You know, there really kind of has to be that, but the problem is, is this the system has gotten so corrupt right. that you know that no judges are being sanctioned, no lawyers or and no. prosecutors they, are losing their jobs. They would sanction jobs. themselves, and they're not going to do that. Right, and, and 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 you know the system is is absolutely corrupt. So, and what would be another thing is, you know, if the legislature, if you know, especially with a, a lot of the Democrats in legislature, you know. There is a lot of people that the Democrats, uh, you know, sort of um, side with or take the side of. That's what started this defund the police thing on a Democrat side. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're not, um, you know, uh, and, and that's yeah, a lot of the Yeah, they didn't reason- really mean it. No, they didn't really mean it, probably. <laughs> but in New Hampshire, is a little different than like California or mm-hmm. New York State when it comes to the legislature. Because in New Hampshire's got so many legislators. There's 400 of them. They're only right. paid $100 a year. Uh, so, and there's only one point, what, three something million population in New Hampshire. Right. To where, like, you know, New York State has, you know, I don't know, 50 million people or something. I don't even know what they, how many people there is. But Whatever they, it is, it's a lot more. But they have very little legis- legislative representatives. Right. So when it comes to lobbying, like, so the pharmaceutical companies, the you know, the um, prison industrial complex, the, you know, the, um, what are they, you know, whatever it is, these guys uh, are able to easily lobby a, a handful of representatives to, to, uh, to enforce their will on a lot of people to where that doesn't really exist in New Hampshire. I think New Hampshire has the um, greatest representative count to uh, population in, in the um In, in the, the state. United States, the United it is States. the largest number of representatives, period. And if you do it by population, it is, you know, oh, I mean, it's incredible, right? Like it's three, it's 3,500 people or less per representative district. I mean, that is very, very small. While Whereas, like, for instance, you mentioned New York. Uh, compared to 150 state, what they call assembly members. This is the the same thing as a a state representative there. And uh, the population of New York, I'll have to look up. I don't have that in, in front of me at the moment, but it's it's a hell of a lot more. So you're probably looking at 
you know, tens of thousands, if not hundred thousand plus people per so, per district. So if you're going to do this kind of thing, New Hampshire is the place to do it. You know, just because of that. Mm-hmm. So if we can get the legislature to act and be like, hey, stop wasting money, and where it's going to come from is basically just. You know, people that are sick. I have a friend, a local guy's been, you know, he's in his 60s. He's had a business in, you know, where New Hampshire for a very long time. He pays an insane amount of business taxes and property taxes. And he is just so irate that things like this case is going on and just burning all kinds of dollars that he is forced to pay for. And and the fact, and he's also got a grandson that's had a DCYF issue because the father of the grandson is a, is a um, guy who goes hunting and he traps, you mm-hmm. know, coyotes and like you know things like that and fisher cats that are you know just wreaking havoc and you know all over the place and you know killing livestock and people's birds and you know people's pets, you know, uh, birds, I mean, chickens and stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, the, um, <clears throat> and so, and there's just too many, there's way too many coyotes, uh, you know, in a lot of these woods around, you, you know, you know, central New Hampshire. And anyways, so this particular guy takes his son doing that with him and, and big, you know, DCYF investigation into him and this, that, and the other thing. And, and, and just, you know, teaching his, that guy's just teaching his kid, you know, basically hunting skills and trapping skills. Do these people know where they live? I mean, these these bureaucrats, they live in New Hampshire well, where guns have been part and parcel of people's upbringing here for generations. And they're well, trying to change that. The, the problem is, is all these social workers, best I can tell, and most of these government employees they're you know, that do these kind of jobs. So all the social workers, just like all the school teachers, they're all Democrats. They're all registered Democrats. They all donate mm-hmm. to the Democratic Party. So they're 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 what I call the parasite class. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So they work in government. Now, all government employees technically would be parasites because they all work for this stolen money. You know, sure. it's money that you know nobody really volunteers to pay taxes. Everybody does under threat, duress, and coercion. That's really the bottom line. And well, maybe some people would volunteer if it was actually voluntary. If they were actually providing a service. That was worthy of giving money for like, you know, we've talked about some of the services should probably stick around like paving the roads or, you know, clearing the roads. But bureaucracy like DCYF, we don't need that crap. We we don't need that. And so these guys are all like the um, so the guy driving a plow truck is a totally different breed than the social workers. So so the the guy driving a plow truck like he sweats, he's He's got to work you know, he's he's actually has to pass a test. Hmm. To plow to, to 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 drive that plow truck, he needs mm-hmm. to have like a class A. He needs to have like an uh, air brakes endorsement. He needs to have this. He needs to like go get a physical every year to prove that like he can see good, that his mm-hmm. blood pressure is okay, and he's like at, you know adequate. You know, just like all the you know commercial truck drivers, and uh, those guys actually have insurance. The social workers don't have insurance, <laughs> and they don't have to prove anything. All they need is credentials. And and just like uh, another woman, I had a uh, um actually she was part of uh. Uh, the Anarchapulco uh, presentation that I had listened to. Uh, Rachel Vaughn is her name. And uh, she is like big time into like, you know, fighting against the uh, human trafficking and a child sex trafficking. And she's, you know, t- telling she contacted me right after she heard about this, you know, what's going on. And she just, you know, started kind of, you know, she's, she sent me a lot of emails about a lot of stuff. But one of the things that, that she said is that, the thing with uh, government it is, and, and DCYF is if you are a predator, the government doesn't care about your moral compass. They don't care what your values are. The only thing that they care about is what your credentials are, what stack of paperwork that you have essentially mm-hmm. in your, um, you know, in your that you've attended this school and you went to this college and, 
you're accredited to be a social worker. You took, you know, what I don't even know what you take to be a social worker. What do you, your early childhood de- development? Um, most, you know, from <laughs> the joke is is that the social workers are all art students that couldn't get jobs, <laughs> you know, teaching art uh, at the public school. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, the so they don't care. So if you're a predator and you're a smart predator, uh, what does the smart predator do if if they're when they're hunting their prey? That first off they they um, insulate themselves from any you know from from getting hurt. So like the fox when the fox is hunting the chickens, mm. you know he or or uh, cats actually. So chickens are pretty easy to kill if you're a fox, but cats are a little trickier. But foxes get cats once in a while. Mm. But foxes they lurk. They they keep themselves insulated. They they hide. Uh, so if you want to be in the um, predatory child trafficking business of then there's all kinds of things that you can do from whatever, you, you know, just helping grab children, you know, uh, we don't need to get into that, but sure. so, so just go to work for DCYF. Yeah, they are protected. They are, they are desperate for employees. They don't care about your morals. There's, there's is there even an ethics test or, a, or, or, or a moral test that you got to take? Is, is there a psychopath test or, or, or a sociopath test to take? There probably is. Those tests probably exist, but government's not going to use them no, because that's those who are, they're looking for. That's who they look for. So that's who the jobs attract. It, it attracts predators. And and in and, and in the human and a lot of people are like, well, the women aren't predators. That's a hundred percent BS. Nonsense. Rachel Vaughn went into about how uh, you know so many of these um, predators that are involved in the child sex trafficking rings are women because women are a, a much more stealth predator mm-hmm. than a man. They're because, less likely to be suspected, right? All that, and and a lot of people trust women, and a lot of the women that are predators are women that don't have children, mm. is is what they were saying. So, the, so if you, um, you know, so it's it's just ripe, and the fact that for generations now, and I don't know what year qualified immunity started happening in New Hampshire, covering all state employees. Good that question. Would be a yeah. really good one to come up with, and um. Fact, uh, because then when you propose to get rid of qualified immunity, you could just say, well, y'all didn't used to have it before 1936 or whatever it right. was. So the state still existed and prior and, to that. And if we take all the dollars since qualified immunity existed, that the Department of Risk and Risk and Benefit, that's who pays out these claims when you sue the state. Hmm. We take all those dollars and we start, you know, if so, if it started in 1936 and we take all the dollars from 1937 that was paid out in settlements yeah. and then we adjust that to what it is today, you know, for it's probably way worse today, you know, seasonal adjustment. Let's do it like the same way they, you know, they calculate um, unemployment, inflation, inflation. Mm-hmm. well, not, not the way really inflation, but they so we just, you know, well. You know, whatever a dollar is worth in nineteen, you know, forty is 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 totally different number than what it is right now. Yep. So to bring it into perspective, how much money is that? How much yeah. has that co- costed Granite Staters now for you know uh, however long this qualified immunity lasts for? But what it does is it breeds a culture of people who are able to get away with whatever they want. So yeah. I mean, the only reason Hunter Biden is 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 uh, you know doing coke and crack and you know uh, you know and you know, pleasing himself uh, on a camera and then putting it on some kind of porn site, uh, you know, and, and all this stuff, because those are things that he's done. And, and, you know, because he can, because he can, because he is a generation. Uh, he is actually like a second or third generation protected class. Uh, I refer to these guys as the pedophile elite. Mm-hmm. So you have all of Jeffrey Epstein's friends, for example, who uh, and Jeffrey Epstein and Mac, you know, so it's, and, and it's surprising that Maxwell got put away. 
Uh, but you have yeah. this whole client list of people that um, she got you know, sacrificed for some reason, right. and that is the story that will probably never be told. Uh, but n- n- true justice won't be won't be served. The client list is nope. you know they're not going after them. But meanwhile, they're going at you know they, and, and this whole thing with Trump, I just think is a hundred is so fake. Uh, but they're what, you know, all the charges. Yeah, just I mean, I just think it's a, a distraction, false flag. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's meant to cause um, divisiveness. And you know, I also think Trump's a team player in this, you know, WWF sure. thing. Uh, you know, He's with, an actor. with all these guys. Yeah, they're all actors or, you know, it's it, it's all a stage for these, you know, for all the politicians. And, you know, the thing is, the only way you can make it to that level of politics, the only way you're becoming yeah. a president, the only way you're becoming a U.S. senator is you got to have some skeletons in the closet. You got to be controlled or they won't even let you. What you know, do you be think about uh, just to change? I mean, re- yeah. related to that statement, what do you think about this guy in Argentina? We covered him last night. Have you seen any news about the Javier Malay, who is a purportedly an arco capitalist principled libertarian guy who actually won the part the uh primary election it's not the general it's not the final thing but he won the primary he got more votes in the primary than any of the other major candidates received uh do you think he's controlled opposition do you know anything I about mean, him i don't know anything about the guy no okay. it's the first i'm hearing of it yeah. i've actually been really not really paying attention to much because sure. it's either i'm working sleeping or working on this stuff here right but yeah, I, I could be. But you know, the thing is too is like um, in America here with the whole voting thing. You know, we know the elections. You know, are, are probably rigged somehow. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is I don't think that they're exactly rigged in the way people think they are. Uh, so a lot of people, like of of my persuasion, sort of think, or not even my persuasion, but on the right, think that you know they they just that they just gave Biden a bunch of votes and took a bunch away from Trump. Mm. Which, eh, could happen, but that's probably not likely. To me, the rigging is that you've got essentially controlled candidates on both sides. Yeah, and that's, so, therefore, that's whoever wins, everyone else loses. So, they are, so, I believe that they are controlled candidates. I'm sure Trump's controlled. I'm sure Biden's controlled. Even mm-hmm. this judge that was here today, I think he's controlled. I think he had to give my wife the 45 days suspended sentence and couldn't do a not guilty uh, because of because of political reasons and also oh and then you had the prosecutor claiming he's autonomous and oh, that yeah. he's not taking orders from anyone this was all his decision to go after your so, wife so yeah so it was a prosecutor's decision to spend you know thousands of thousands of dollars of of uh taxpayer dollars on this frivolous charge that is going to go further and is going to cost the taxpayers another thousands of thousands of dollars to you know to convene a jury trial yep. uh you know in a, in a whole other courtroom and to you know, subpoena, and then when we go to bring our, our 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 claim and lawsuit against these guys, it's going to cost them all kinds of other money. I mean, the state of New Hampshire has already paid out, according to some numbers, and we haven't got this exact, and I could be wrong, but over three hundred million dollars in the past decade just on DCYF claims alone. Mm-hmm. That right, and there's more coming. Oh, and there's more coming. They're and stacked up right now I, because of the uh, rape center that they had. It, it, yeah, it doesn't even count the rape center that they had. doesn't even count this uh, Harmony Montgomery, who was a little girl that was just like, she's dead now. Uh-huh. If she would be seven or eight years old today, and she's dead because DCYF uh, took her away from her loving mother mm-hmm. and decided to give them to the drug addict crackhead you know, drug dealing father wow. who basically somehow lost a kid. And, you know, and, and, and it's, um, it's just, you know, it's, the, they always make the wrong mistake. And one reason, and there's I mean, no liability for them. They always make the wrong decision. And one reason, like in, um, so a guy's name is Jeff Younger. He was on, if you do Jeff Younger, Tim cast, he was on about a year ago explaining how his 
how his ex-wife basically took the kid to California. Their kid, they're like six, seven-year-old mm-hmm. kid. He hasn't seen his kid in a couple of years. And his and the ex-wife is doing a transgender thing. Mm-hmm. And and the kid's like, I don't want to be a girl, Dad. Every time we talk to him, Mom wants to be a, Mom wants me to be a girl. California is like basically like this is where a civil war is really going to start. Like when you have a guy like Jeff Younger in Texas, and you know, and when the Texas governor says no, that kid belongs back here, and decides to send the military into um you know the <laughs> Texas uh, uh, National Guard or whoever, or military mm-hmm. or or. Chuck Norris rounds up a posse to go get this kid out of California, mm-hmm. you know, and it turns into some kind of stuff like that. I, I you know, I mean, you know, they, you, you shouldn't be, you know, gender dysphoria is cured by going through puberty and just taking the time, mm-hmm. not giving chemicals and ca- chemically castrating and mentally manipulating, you know, prepubescent children uh, is what's going on. So anyways, Jeff Younger points out, he's investigated this a lot, um, he points out that uh, in child support cases, the courts always give make the the um, the party that uh, is is the earner though usually has more money uh, pay the child support uh, just about all of the time. So mm-hmm. in a few times where it's a woman paying child support, which is like less than two percent of you know in Texas. Yeah. Uh, it's usually she's like making way more money than the than, than the father, right. and it's and it always seems like it's the more responsible you know parent that is being forced to pay the child support, and the reason for that is because every dollar of child support that the state uh, awards to a to uh, whoever's getting mother or father, the state gets a kickback from the federal government of sixty six percent. And, and this is in Texas, and and best we can tell, this happens in every state in the country. Or actually, is one of these things. What part of uh, our investigation is figuring out those exact numbers here in New Hampshire. So the incentive is to make sure that th- because of the dollars coming in, oh, the money that 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 the state gets doesn't go to the state from the federal government. It goes to the judicial um, retirement fund or the judicial pension fund, which is another thing we've got to look into. Is how is this judicial pension fund getting funding? Hmm. So if if uh, the judicial pension fund, for example, gets a nickel from the federal government for this child endangerment, you know, uh, conviction, that's a massive, massive conflict of interest. Yeah, it is right because these guys all want their pensions built; they want their pensions stacked. Uh, that's you know part of the reason that they're you know they're 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 in the parasite class is because yeah. you know they just want that the most sweet money. retirement. So, so anyways, it's not about serving and protecting, which is this mythology that they want you to believe because they don't act like servants. They act like masters. Oh yeah, very much so. So, so we have a massive problem here. Uh, We have, uh, you know, the, the courts are, as family court, especially is incentivized to make uh, decisions based on how much money is going to get put into their, into their pension fund, the, you know, the judicial pension fund and a judicial pension fund. I definitely I know covers judges. I'm sure it covers all their staff. I'm sure it covers the clerks. I'm sure it covers the prosecutors. I'm sure it covers that secretary who was the Karen and, you know, reported, you know, in my wife's case, mm-hmm. all these people are drawing their money from the same pension fund. There's probably a good chance that, um, you know, some of this money even gets kicked somehow to the, uh, to the local police departments. Who knows? Uh, and, and, and even there's a whole course at Granite State University, which I will be getting more um, information on this very soon. Uh, that it, that it basically is a course on how to maximize revenue for DCYF, and hmm. because DCYF wow. gets money from the federal government for like when they complete an assessment, when they go into somebody's house, when they steal a kid, when they give the kid to adopt a kid out to a family, all the more reason know. to uh, peacefully secede from the United yes. States. 
Yes, we break those bonds. We got a lot of elements to work with here, uh, and and we need to. And basically, an awareness campaign is is really what needs to happen. Taxpayers are so fed up of their of working hard and their dollars being wasted, and we need to make it easy to communicate this to the legislature, to where the te- citizens need to push the legislature here in New Hampshire to just stop with all this wasteful nonsense. The number is 603-283-6160. Of course, the government bureaucrats are going to push back hard because, again, their pensions are on the line, their jobs uh, are on the line, and they are not going to be happy that it's being challenged. Uh, There's more coming up here. You can join the show. Hour number two is on the way. 603-283-6160 is our number. It's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Ian and Jay here in the studio tonight, the second hour. We're kicking it off here. And you, of course, can bring up anything you want to talk about. The number is 603 283 6160. That's 603 283 6160. You can join us online, of course, anytime you want. Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we have waiting for you there. Uh, by the way, Jay, I did dig up the numbers here. Uh, we were talking in the last hour about state representatives and how New Hampshire has the most representative body of any of the U.S. states. Like, I'm pretty sure it's like by a large margin. Not only do we have 400 members of the House of Representatives here in New Hampshire, but they represent, quote-unquote, because I don't think anybody on this show actually believes they represent anyone but themselves, that whole idea is just completely fallacious. But we'll use the terminology. They, quote-unquote, represent about 3,000 to 3,500 of their constituents per district, right? So it's not a lot of people. That means that your so-called representative is actually someone you are likely to, maybe you already know the person, maybe you don't know him, but you might live on the same street with him. We're on the same street as this, the representative that is re- uh, quote-unquote representing Keene's Ward 4. She lives on the exact same street, just a few houses down. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know her well, but I see her. I wave at her. <laughs> you know, we've we've had interactions before. I helped get her dog when it ran off uh, off its leash, you know, leash a couple of years ago. Uh, you may see these people at the grocery store. You may see them. They may be buying your car when you put it up for sale in the, the local Craigslist or whatever. And these are people that are actually in your community. 
unlike New York State and you know, probably where you live if you're not in New Hampshire. Massachusetts is classic for this, too. You had brought up New York State specifically, though, so yep. I, I pulled up the numbers, and it's about 19-plus million people. And if you divide that by 150, which is the number of assemblymen, as they call them in New York State, that they have, it is 130,000 people per representative. So when I, when I just kind of shot in the dark at 100,000, yeah, it's about that, 130,000. And that's why New York is losing population. New York is in so much trouble. Well, I don't uh, know if that's why. Well, I, it was a lot of the reason why, yeah. because lo- it, it's easy takens for the lobbyists mm-hmm. they only got to convince what 100 people there's 150 uh, of these assembly men i think you said in new york yep, yep. so they only got to convince two-thirds of them to get anything done they only got to buy two-thirds of them and they get to essentially force their will on 19 point something million people which is a really good return for say pfizer if you're gonna you know force the will of uh you know some kind of pharmaceutical like the uh, mandatory vaccines and stuff like that you know and that was a huge thing in new york you know, there was all, all, you know, all kinds of, you know, hoopla for that. That's why so many people, one of the reasons so many people exited New York is they're mm-hmm. getting woke up to this. But this has a lot to do with, like, if you, you know, why, so in New Hampshire here, you can publicly shame your local representative if they're, uh, if they're bad. Sure. Uh, real easy. And you can run against them the next time around. And yep. as long as you're willing to put the work in, have a good chance of winning. Yeah, going door to door is the way to do it. By yes. the way, every time yep. you talk to people who are successful, their first time out because usually if you run a political campaign, you don't expect to win the first time out the gate. But if you go door to door in the district and you actually meet the people that'll be voting for you, then that is a huge uh, check in your column in your favor. And we've seen a lot of people try it the first time they go door to door and they actually win against, in some cases, incumbents. You know, I actually looked at the numbers for California just for the fun of it, and it's even worse than New York with a hundred and uh, oh, I'm sorry, I thought it was 120 uh, state reps. It's actually 120 if you include both the senators and the assemblymen. So it's actually only <laughs> 80 uh, into 39 million people, and you get. Less representation. Almost half a million per representative, or what they call assemblyman, out in California. Let's go to somebody who's in California. He's Skeeter calling on the lines here. The number, by the way, 603-283-6160. Go ahead, Skeeter. You know, it's, your, it's Skeeter. Uh, yeah, if you want to fix the court system with government, you make it worse. If you want to fix the court system in a pure market system, you replace it with my vision of the reputation system. But in order to implement my reputation system, you gotta you gotta throw away all conventional ideas of privacy as a good. How are we because gonna privacy. get to a private court system without repealing the government system first? Yeah. So, like I said, uh, with the first part of my first statement, uh, in order to get rid of government, you need to excel- you need to accelerate it. You can't repeal it because it'll come back. Don't you believe that too? No. Like if you don't no, I don't believe in your accelerationism nonsense. Yeah, it's but been accelerating pretty hard. That, but do you believe in the fact that if you if you repeal it, that doesn't show the failure of government and it'll it'll be tried again? No, the reason why you would be able to repeal it is because it has failed, because people are finally sick of this one-size-fits-all monopoly system, and they finally have come to the realization that something new needs to be tried. That's so the only reason why you would ever be able to repeal this system. 
you're projecting your views onto the general public. No, they I'm don't not. Feel that I'm not projecting is. my views. I'm telling you that's what it would yeah, take to be sure, able to I'm repeal sure. it. I don't believe I'm that sure. the general public ha- shares my views. Probably 99% yeah. of them have no but, view that is in common. Like they, They're not 100% in line with the libertarians. That's why libertarians can't get more than 1% of the vote not even 50 in most places. in line with libertarians. Huh? They're what? not even uh, 25% in line with you guys. I know. That's what I said. That's why they only get 1% of the vote, because probably 99% of the United States has no interest in libertarianism right now. Because Why would you say that uh, they know it's failing? Well, if you've been in the court system, you know it's failing. That's an absolute. I mean, there's no doubt that people hate I, the courts. I've been in the I've been in the court system, but I try to avoid it as best as possible, which mm-hmm. is any rational person would do. Right. But I feel that I get more out of government than I pay for in taxes. Again, well, that's like ridiculous. I, I mean, that's I mean the fact yeah, that I you mean, believe that is I'm, true just shows you're completely irrational. You got it. So if you're getting as long as I'm not pay, as long as I'm not made to pay back the debt. I am getting more than I pay for, especially when you consider the fact that I get national defense, I get cheap reserve, uh, world reserve currency, easy, easy credit. You really believe stuff. you're getting national I'm... defense? I mean, the fact that you could even have those words come oh, yeah. out of your mouth is just ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Give me an example hey, of national you... defense in, in, say, the last 40 years. That yeah, the received. fact that I can step out, the fact that I can step out my side outside my house and not worry about a drone attacking me from a foreign nation or or someone trying to take take me over, even if I have to pay these nominal taxes, which which are <laughs> nominal. Uh, you live in California, dude. I mean, the the, the, uh, the amount of delusion that you're suffering under is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so, do you collect welfare I mean, or work for the government or something? What me? No, no. What do you I do? would if I would if it paid more though. If it paid more than what I make currently, I would. So, do you, what do you do for and work I, currently? I I don't want to discuss personal issues. Okay, thanks I just, for the call. Just curious if he was in one of these heavily government regulated, like you know, are you a lawyer, real estate? Yeah, it's a good question because he certainly seems to love the government. You know, uh, I mean, he he claims he calls in claiming he wants to take it down by accelerating its growth, which. I mean, it's getting pretty big out there. I don't see how much more accelerated it could possibly be. And what's amazing is how many people are willing to put up with it. How many people are of the same beliefs? I mean, he claims on one hand that he wants to see the government come down, but then he claims that he's getting good value for his money. I mean, how can you have these beliefs at the same time? They're dichotomous. Well, just like with these social workers and these people involved in my uh, wife's case here. You know, all you got to do is read the affidavit and uh, of the, um, you know, of the officer who filed the, uh, uh, you know, the warrant, and you can see that it's pretty plain and clear that there's no, um, you know, there is, you know, no, no endangerment, and, and he, he even said it right in. And just like you said, the cop testified the yeah. child was not in danger. I want to come back to what he said there, though, uh, which was this claim that because of the U.S. military going around to other countries and bombing innocent people because that's what they do right because of them that he believes that he's safe to walk outside of his house and he won't get uh, struck by a drone operated by some other military first of all those other militaries they're not you know doing drone strikes in other people's countries all around the world so the idea that they would just come here to strike you is pretty ridiculous but 
the fact is you're much more likely to get drones struck by your own government than you are some foreign, you know, mystical government that could potentially do something at some point in the future if you didn't have the U.S. military around. It's the police that are employing drones right now in the United States. We've seen drones. Now, they don't have guns on them just yet. But well, we've seen, so it's so easy to arm a drone. It is. <laughs> and they do have cameras on them, and they are watching you in certain cities. They've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in smaller cities even on fancy drone technology that they're using to monitor protests, monitor you know political activists, monitor whoever it is that they want to monitor. Code enforcement. They're using sure. it to assess property values, of, you know, fly over people's properties, see if they've, you know, it might have a new building they put up and they didn't ask for, you know, permission. Uh, was there more that you wanted to share on this whole justice thing or should we move to economic issues? Well, uh, so, you know, the idea that, you know, the government is here to protect us and the government can like say, oh, well, you did this offense. And that, in fact, that's what they're dealing with. They call it a crime. They call it an offense mm-hmm. uh, in their statute. And the idea that your statute applies to us and Mark Stevens for years now. Uh, check out Mark Stevens on YouTube. He's, mm-hmm. he's actually releasing new stuff. He's back oh, at great. his, um, like, uh, I, he's got a bunch of stuff that's very recent. I'm glad to hear and that. And it's very timely. It's, uh, and, you know. Uh, he didn't have gray hair when he quit doing it. And now he's now got he some gray hair. But anyways, he's got right. really great content. But Mark Stevens is like, well, just ask him what evidence they have that your that the code applies to you, that the law applies to you. Mm-hmm. And like when we asked this cop on the stand, and if you guys go to uh, Free Keen's, uh, uh, what's that? It's on Odyssey. The Odyssey channel. It, you can go to video.freekeen.com. And and you'll find uh, the Noons court case if, if you just search. Uh, search it's noon. one of the most recent videos. And at right at the two hour mark, if you just stop it right there and then play on, you know, fast mm-hmm. forward it. I asked the cop, uh, what evidence do you rely on that the New Hampshire code or laws simply apply to anyone because they're standing on a soil we call New Hampshire? And he said, oh. I don't have any evidence. <laughs> So and and if you back it up a couple minutes, where he states to the uh, prosecutor that the prosecutor says, uh, "Does the New Hampshire uh, law apply to people because they're simply in New Hampshire?" and and, and a cop says, "Yes." Well, where's this evidence? So, first off, yeah, prove it. Oh, the government said this, so you have to do this, and you know, and then even in the New Hampshire Constitution, it says. That, you know, you surrender a little bit of your freedom to have protection of government. That's not exactly what maybe you can word it a little better off the top You're of your close. head. You're close. I mean, that, that that is pretty common, as I understand it, in a lot of constitutions. Yep. It's their sort of their idea of how to justify the system as it exists is that you trade your freedom in return for protection. And that is ultimately what the citizenship concept is when right. you look up the a definition of citizen yep uh it is it's well i mean it's not a real contract because you can't point to it right but doesn't exist the theory is that you give up your rights in return for protection that's the deal the actual definition of citizen and mark stevens wrote an excellent essay about this or article about this years ago where he points out that a citizen is one who owes a duty of allegiance in return for an obligation of protection. Meaning, you do what they say, and they keep you safe. That's the idea. Not that I agree with that, or that I want that deal, but that was the supposed deal for citizenship. And there's court case after court case after court case, all the way up to the Supreme Court level, that they've ruled over and over again that the government has no obligation to protect you. I mean, So the- you have no duty to them. So, you know, 
Uh, any pledge of protection in return for personal allegiance, namely the citizen contract that the U.S. Supreme Court describes in uh, Lyra v. U.S., uh, this is 231 U.S. 9, the case along with 50 U.S.C. subsection uh, 1520, wherein the federal government authorized chemical and biological experiments to be conducted on the populace, are evidence enough to demonstrate that there is no obligation to provide police uh, power protections and that the government has, in fact, become harmful to the public and its unalienable rights. You don't even need to go with with that, which is kind of a bit of a jump uh, legally from that case to that conclusion. You can actually cite Warren versus District of Columbia and many other uh, Supreme Court cases where they literally say the words... Government has no obligation to protect, that there is no obligation to protect, and it has been ruled again and again. I mean, you, you don't even have to make any kind of assumptions. It's so, right there. So, yeah, they tell my wife that, you know, she she has, you know, neglected her, uh, you know, duty to protect. Uh, her children. And, right. And which, you know, she didn't. But, yeah, government has nope. no obligation to protect you. In fact, that's be something to get into, you know, the, the, the jury trial here. Mm-hmm. But also, getting back to Skeeter's thing. You know, this fact that we have the fact that we have a military literally just assassinating and genociding people all over the world, mostly in the Middle East. A lot of, you know, Iraq is, you know, a depleted uranium wasteland that can't Mm -hmm. even. Now they're doing it to Ukraine, by the way. Yeah. And they're doing it in Ukraine and Russia and Belarus and all those countries around there. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're blowing up bridges they're blowing up pipelines. Uh, they are creating what Ron Paul calls, or the CIA refers to also as blowback. blowback. Mm-hmm. So if we want to believe the actual, let's just say that a whole bunch of, you know, these, you know, terrorists that, uh, you know, were mostly Afghanis. I mean, not mostly Afghanis, but we're all Saudis and we never attacked Saudi Arabia. So I don't know why we went out and went to Afghanistan and Iraq. Oh, wait. Yeah. Uh, uh, we needed a whole bunch of opium so we can pump mm-hmm. America and Europe full of heroin that's why we needed you know to do the uh afghan thing and then the iraq thing was because saddam hussein you know was going to go outside the u.s dollar and trading oil that's why we had to go after him right but you know the, the, uh afghan uh 9-11 if you want to believe the, the official story is a classic case of blowback they attacked us because because we've been terrorizing them for generations that's right and, and it's not because they hate our freedom People don't attack you for no reason. People mm-hmm. don't go get on airplanes and kill themselves for no reason. No doubt. They do it because that they were, if this, which I don't believe that that people actually hijacked airplanes and flew them into the buildings. I think that's nonsense. Uh, but these so-called, you know, suicide type, you know, terrorist kind of things happen as a result of blowback. And and it is from military intervention. The U.S. military has put the American people in extreme danger. If the U.S. military didn't go outside of its borders and wasn't, you know, it, what the U.S. military spending is like greater than like the next 13 countries combined altogether. Uh, it's something it, like that, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it's all going to fall apart very soon because, you know, now the interest is like a trillion dollars a year. And so the interest payments actually greater than the um, which is it's all it's, nothing. The it's all interest garbage. payments are like as large as the military. budget. it's greater now. than the military budget yeah. exceeded it. Uh, so. So, yeah. So anyways, it's just uh, Skeeter's philosophy is essentially, yeah, this will create uh, this creates blowback. 
And and he probably works in some form of the parasite economy because mm. uh, he he talks like the kind of you know kind of individual. The that fact does. that he's not willing to say is right. very yeah. suspicious. Yeah, Let's go to the phones here. We got uh, Law Dog on the line in Michigan. Go ahead, Law Dog. Wow, 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 yippee, yippee, wow, yippee, yippee. How you doing, Ian? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? What's on my mind is who is your libertarian presidential and vice presidential candidate? Mine? I have no candidate. No, I mean the Libertarian Party. You guys are a Libertarian Party, right? It's too early to say. I'm not the Libertarian Party per se. I mean, I may or may not support their candidate depending on who they end up choosing. Uh, they've had some pretty lousy candidates in the last 20 years, so I can't exactly, say I'm particularly exactly. excited about it. But to answer your question, the Libertarian Party will not choose their presidential candidate until likely May of next year. So May of 2024, they'll probably have their uh, party convention. They will. Uh, no. They, when's the when's the Chicago uh, Democratic convention? I have no idea. Okay. What you should do is uh, there's going to be a big fight, and the Libertarians should go after Marion Williamson and uh, also uh, RFK Jr. because they got about thirty percent. And you guys can make a difference in this. No, world no. I don't think the Libertarians should do there's that. There's going to be five presidential candidates. No, I think it's a terrible idea. I think what you're race, I think it's, what you're advocating be, uh, here is that the Libertarian Party have about thirty percent of the vote. Law dog, what you're advocating here is that the Libertarian Party watered down their viewpoint in order to achieve more votes, and that is not what the Libertarian Party should do. That is what they've been no, doing. Why don't, you, why don't you guys just make a difference and take what's out there? That's your best. That's option. not how you make a difference. If you believe in liberty, then what you should be doing is putting forward a candidate that actually espouses those ideas that actually understands and can communicate effectively to the very few people that will actually see their message uh what the ideas of liberty are what the non-aggression principle is and you know how it applies to all of these different issues if you bring somebody yeah, like rfk that isn't, isn't going to matter because you're not going to be able to make a difference and you already said your libertarian candidates uh Aren't, aren't crap. The libertarians so, uh, are never going to make crap. a difference on the national scene. That's why libertarians who want to make a difference are moving to New Hampshire, where they're actually getting elected here. So I really am not concerned at all with what happens nationally. But if the Libertarian Party wants to get any kind of support from me on a national basis, they need to put a candidate up that's going to actually represent the ideas of liberty. And that obviously does not hold any value for you law dogs so uh i mean people like you and so, the libertarian party are part of the problem so how the uh how the pork fest and the pork fest go this year fantastic there yeah, were I, thought it went good. I think well over Wonderful. two thousand people there did you have a front row seat uh we are well represented at the porcupine freedom festival uh we are no, within... i mean you did you have a front row seat i was able to attend a couple days yeah it was fun I had a front row that seat. That's great. That's great. So you're on a you're you're off the tether now, then, huh? Oh no, no, I'm still under uh, total government control. I'm awaiting a sentencing date in the Crypto Six case, which people can learn more about over at thecrypto6.com. I have to ask for permission if I'm going to be out past seven o'clock at night. Um, so I'm not on oh. a uh, I'm not on as short of a leash as I once was, uh, but it's there's well, still that's a progress, leash. isn't it? It's something. It's hard to get too excited right. about it, but uh, so law dog. Well, I'm excited for you. You know, it could that's be. That's very nice of you. It could be worse. That's true. So, yeah. so law dog. A little bit about uh, pork fest from my pr- perspective. So I was there for the entire pork fest. I was there for a wedding before pork fest. Uh, a friend of mine got married, and uh, anyways, uh, I can tell you um, 
that uh, we did. I put on man camp at Pork Fest, and I did a lot of uh, confidence building with uh, some young men and some young ladies, and actually some uh, some adults also. Where I I taught them, uh, I let them do blacksmithing. In fact, blacksmithing is more of a you don't really learn blacksmithing; you just kind of practice bending mm-hmm. metal, mm-hmm. and that's how you learn it is through practicing it and observing. And so I had a five year old kid do it. He did a great job. Made himself a coat hook. We had a seven-year-old girl nine-year-old girl nine-year-old boy 15 16 year olds it was really good and uh, the boston herald did an article on it and and they and they didn't talk about me blacksmithing they talked about me not having a social security number and trading in you know alternative currency i mean that's a pretty cool thing to talk (laughs) about okay but hey thanks a lot dog for the call tonight the number here is 603-283-6160 and you can join the show you can bring up whatever you want we got some economic news on the way it isn't looking great it's free talk live That's 603-283-6160. You can join us online anytime you want. Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we have there for you. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Ian and Jay in the studio tonight again, 603-283-6160. Let's see, what else do we have to say? Anything else on the justice system, Jay, or do we we hash that one out? Yeah, I guess we hashed it out. All right. So in in other news, of course, uh, the economy ain't looking so hot with the big headline today being that mortgage rates could hit 8%. And when I told you this during uh, the begin before we started the show, Jay, you you said mortgage rates should be at 24%. That's right. What? Yeah, they should be. Why is that? Because the only first off the the mortgage rates are so cheap because the Federal Reserve just creates uh, this money out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Fractional Reserve banking. Or they create all the money they want with one percent of the money or two percent of the money. They keep on, you know, you know, reducing it. But the reality is, if there was an actual um, market, so for example, there's one trillion dollars in credit card debt, right? That's, That's debt. what I've heard. Yeah, right. new number. So, so that means, so people think that when they swipe a credit card, that money comes out of someone's bank account. Like somebody's funding this credit card, like somebody put up money. But actually what mm-hmm. happens when you start up a credit card, the money's poof, created out of thin air. No, nobody's, nobody's savings is mm-hmm. backing up a credit card. Nobody's savings is backing up your mortgage. Maybe if you get some kind of mortgage in like, uh, what do they call them? Um, the, not the banks, the uh, credit unions. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't trust them either because they're still all sure. governed by the same system. So the idea is if you had, if you're going to, give someone money and not have it and, and expect payments back in 30 years. Yeah. Uh, what do you deserve for a return on your money? What would you want? What is a, you, you know, the real thing? What would interest rates be if the federal reserve didn't have, if there was no fiat dollars and you couldn't create money out of thin air, what would the, that, that would be the real marketplace of an interest rate. So a lot of well, people, yeah, that's an ent- interesting question. We've never actually been able to experience that in our lifetimes. I mean, the federal reserve has been around for over a hundred years now so I guess the question is, what were interest rates like in the 1800s? So, so it with so if interest rates were 24 percent, let's say, because a lot of people are like, well, I guess I would at 24 percent compound interest, mm-hmm. you know, I would give somebody thirty thousand dollars or forty thousand dollars for you know to get it back over 20 or 30 years. 
like it's a long time to rate, wait for your money. Yeah. So the so the way the system's set up because they don't really have any skin in the game. Uh, so they what they do is they they create money out of thin air uh, for for basically someone's mortgage that that money gets deposited in whoever's a, you know account you know the, the house is bought from let's say, mm-hmm. uh, and then they have this mortgage document that they the and the, the the guy from the Big Short has uh, that movie The Big Short everybody should really try to watch that it's it's an old movie but it's like right on uh, about you know how this financial thing works so what they do is they take these mortgages. And then they slice these mortgages up into all kinds of, you know, financial instruments. And then um, actually Vermin Supreme does the best when he talks about, um, you know, uh, his financial system basically through ponies and, uh, you know, taking the pony poop and, you know, um, selling it as a financial asset. Uh, mm-hmm. Just the way uh, Wall Street does with all of the uh, mor- mortgage-backed assets that they bundle up and they sell. In the big short, they explain it really well. It'd be worth someone's time to take a couple hours and just watch that movie. It's super informative. So, but, and he also, if you look at it, well, I just want, before you go on, I, I, I just ran the numbers here and cause just having purchased a home in the past, I kind of had some idea of what the, this thing actually costs. And when they say it's 7%, they're not talking about the total of what that, that, uh, is going to be costing you over 30 years. They're talking about, I believe, on a per annum basis. Correct. It's compound interest. So it ends up it. coming out to, like right now, if you go to calculator.net and you just look at the default numbers, $400,000 home price, which is pretty getting pretty common these yep. days, uh, 20% down, 30-year loan, interest rate 7.03%. It's going to cost you $768,000 right. when all is said and done. So, I mean, that's like... Almost a hundred percent. And the thing is, how many people have twenty percent to put down? Have eighty grand to put down on a four hundred thousand dollar house? Not many. Very few people. So here's the thing. Uh, so interest rates were at twenty four percent. We're at eighteen percent. Yeah, in 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 the eighties they were. And but how? You're talking about per year. Uh, I believe compound regular compound interest. I'm I'm not a hundred percent. Uh, per yeah, I I, I guess that would be insane. I, well, that level that level of uh of pricing is insane. I can't believe the market would actually go that high but a four, on loans. But a $400,000 house today was 40 grand 40 years ago. Well, that's and, an important point. Yeah. And a lot of people had 25%, 30%, 40% down. Mm-hmm. In fact, my dad bought a house in 1984 and the interest rate was 16.8% on that house. That's you could get a house paid. 100 years ago for a few thousand dollars. 1984 he bought a house. Sixteen point eight percent, I believe, is what it was. We found mm-hmm. this thing like I don't wow. know, twelve years ago. This mortgage paperwork, but he only financed like twenty four thousand dollars in the house. He put something like uh, I think twenty five. He put like just a crack over fifty percent down on a house. It was like a fifty thousand dollar house, mm-hmm. and he he put like twenty five grand down on it, and. Uh, and then, so the rest of it was, you know, the 14 point something, or I'm sorry, 16 point something percent. And it was a, a 30 year mortgage. And I can remember like one of the things he did, because if you got a 16% interest rate, it really, really makes a, um, uh, uh, makes a lot of sense to just take all the money you can and dump it towards, you know, paying off that note to, you know, and he would do often, he would pay two or three times the, the, the actual mortgage payment because it was, it would just made sense. It saved you so much yeah, money absolutely. on the end of the mortgage. Absolutely. Yeah. If you can pay that mortgage off before it's done and there's no penalty 
to pay it off because some mortgages apparently have that. Uh, then yeah, I, I think you absolutely should. And I did pull up the Fed, St. Louis Fed, their chart from going back as far as 1963, which isn't far enough because I, I just saw, I think it was just today, somebody posted some advertisement. I don't know if it was the 30s or the 40s or whatever, where you could buy a house for literally a few thousand dollars. So the one, the, the second house my parents bought when I was a little kid, uh, the Make guy- $40 a month payments. The guy we <laughs> bought it from, his parents bought the house in 1912 for 1100 bucks. Amazing. Uh, right before the Federal Reserve, and my dad bought the house in 1991 for ninety six thousand dollars. You know, from wow. these guys. Yep. Uh, in 1963, the average housing price was, or sales uh, price of a house was nineteen thousand three hundred dollars, and then in 2022, it was five hundred something thousand dollars. Yeah, and and a house that you bought in 1963. For twenty thousand dollars is you know a, was a way better built house. Mm-hmm. A lot of the houses built in the past couple of decades they're cheaping are, out. Well, they're absolute garbage. So my mom, you know, in um, Colorado, she lived in uh, Broomfield, Colorado, for a few years, and she bought one of these places, uh, one of these cookie cutter houses m- manufactured by Pulte Homes, which is like a Walmart. Like Pulte Homes is a huge national corporation. They is built, this manufactured housing? It's all well. I don't know. I, I guess it wasn't. No, it wasn't like because um, those are modular, generally considered pretty good. Right? Wasn't no, it wasn't modular homes. Mm-hmm. These are all houses that were just built on foundations okay. and they had basements and the whole nine yards. But basically, it's like KBR, Kellogg, Brown and Root, or um, Dr. Horton. These really huge, you know, multinational corporate. You know, they're like the Walmart of of, of, of homes. So they build, mm-hmm. you know, the cheapest, most garbage, you know, you know, houses. And so all these houses like settle, the walls crack, mm. they have all kinds of issues. They have them so tight with insulation that they, they all, they mold. You oh got to run God. like constant dehumidifier. Even in, even in Arizona, people are, I mean, I'm sorry, Colorado on a front range are having to run dehumidifiers in their houses because they're so tight. A lot of the newer houses they build around here, right after they pass inspection, the contractors are going up in the attics and they're cutting the plastic so the houses can vent because... <laughs> Yeah, just everything is just about building the houses with the UN building codes is mm. is is really bad, uh, and the, you know, the thing with, uh, uh, you know, the houses aren't, are, you know, like definitely there was way better craftsmanship in houses back in the day, uh, you know, in the forties and the fifties, you could, you know, these houses were built really well, um, and like some of these houses they're built in Arizona, they literally have, they they have these uh like steel studs that they you know stud the walls out with. And then they put a piece of uh, particle board uh, at each corner mm-hmm. to make the wall like sturdy. And then they run like this mesh wire, and then they spray the stucco, and that's it. I, I mean, Whoa. you could literally take you put it, your like, hand through it. You, know, you could, yeah. If if you had like a good glove on, and mm-hmm. you know, or it could could you know, you could beat your you could pound your fist through these walls and get into these houses. If you wow. you could easily do it with a shovel or like an axe or something. Because the houses, I'm, I'm watching them build these houses when I'm down there. I'm like, oh my God, this is all you guys are doing? Like, you know, crazy. you could, you it's know. the appearance of a house. Yeah, you could totally take, an, uh, take a baseball bat and breach one of these houses if Damn. you wanted to. Uh, so the thing, is, and, and a lot of contractors know what I'm talking about. A lot of these, you know, companies that are building these, you know, you see these de- developments, especially in, in the South and the Midwest of Florida, Arizona, uh, all around Denver, uh, they're just building all these like super uber cheap, you know, cheapest way you can possibly build them, mm-hmm. and 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 they're cashing in, and they're, and they're just you know cashing in, and they get all kinds of money from like the United Nations for like oh, these wow. developments that come with the homeowners association stuff. Like I talked to a guy the other day, he's uh, living in Colorado, and he's telling me, and I'm like, he's got he's got like uh, a six month old kid, and I'm like, hey, you need to raise some chickens with that kid, like. 
you know, raise chickens with your kid at your home. So every day you and your kid or your, your the kid goes out and participates in chicken chores. So this is going to, you know, going to, going to build some, uh, responsibility. Neuro, yeah. This is going to do a whole bunch of good for the kid, confidence, responsibility, work ethic, the whole nine yards. Just all you need is a couple chickens. He's like, Oh, I can't have chickens in my, at my, at my property. I live mm-hmm. in a homeowner's association. I'm like, whoops. I'm like, dude, like you're kind of like a libertarian. What? what? You you choose to live in a place yeah, where you have a you whole another government? And he's like, those are the only houses for sale around Denver, Colorado. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, you know, unless you get something like, yeah, it's like, you know, $11 billion, dollars, you know, not that has its own like thing. But almost everything wow. is all homeowner association. That's a nightmare. I can't even imagine living in a homeowner's association. Yeah. Uh, the number, if you want to join the show, 603-283-6160, you can bring up anything you want. Uh, and, of course, the, the rates are going up. As as you know, if you've been paying attention to uh, the national money, what, if you want to call it a crisis, uh, with the Federal Reserve created crisis, where they just keep on raising the rates. And that means that, that comes back to the trillion-dollar debt payment that you mentioned earlier, Jay, just to explain to people what that means is when the federal government uh, essentially borrows money from the Federal Reserve, they have to pay it back with interest. And who is it that's on the hook to pay the interest? Well, you and your kids and their kids and you know their grandchildren or whatever, right? Like everybody who's a quote-unquote taxpayer is paying this stuff back, and that's what the income tax is going to do. It's, it is going to pay back this trillion-plus dollars in, uh, in debt payments, in interest payments that uh, is going to the Federal Reserve. And so when they raise the rates, quote unquote, that means that the the rates the federal government is paying the Federal Reserve are also going up. So it's not just that your mortgage payments are going up. It's that the Federal Reserve is getting more from the uh, more payments from the U.S. federal government as well. And so mortgage payments are heading up towards 8 percent as they continue to increase the, the, the federal uh, rates at the Federal Reserve I mean, it seems like every time they have their meetings, you know, every month or two or whatever, they're raising uh, the rates again and again. And they claim this is how you, quote unquote, fight inflation, which, of course, they created and they will never admit. By artificially low interest rates. And even 8% is an artificially low interest rate. The only way you can get an interest rate that low is to have the ability to correct, collect money, create money out of thin air. And, and, and that's what they do, because basically... You know, just just to, I mean, your reality is nobody would lend their money at eight hmm. percent. You know, is, is you, I don't know. I, I mean, I think people would. I think well, some people would. Some people do if it's like you know these things where it's like guaranteed you're not going to lose yeah, like these CDs debt. and stuff like that. But when it comes to mortgages and the history we have with mortgages and the fact that right now, like you know. There's like most people, it's two percent down. They're, they're, they're you know, two percent. They yeah, they have. No, I wouldn't say most people, but there's definitely incentive programs where it's two percent mm. and three percent down. California did a thing for for if you have a bad credit rating, that they uh, you know paid a part of your uh, down payment, so you only had to put two percent down. Wow, and then you crazy. have the economic ninja talks about this stuff a lot. He's a YouTuber guy. It's actually pretty entertaining, and he's got some good information. But he talks about how uh, there's banks out there that are. It's like a they're offering something like uh, 3% and then they give you uh, 3% down and they give you 1% back at closing. So it's really only 2%, 2% down. And this is, wow. and, and this is like, and a, it's taxpayers that are footing the rest of well, it. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, well, it's 
I don't know who's footing the rest of it. Mm. They're just so desperate to sell these overpriced houses. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason houses are so expensive is because the interest rates have gone have gone down so the banks are able to charge more. It's just like the same exact thing where every time the, the, the U.S. government says, oh, we're going to add another $5,000 to the uh, guaranteed amount, the minimum guaranteed amount that we will uh, give you in a student loan, and all of the college prices go up that that five thousand dollars just like so it doesn't even help the federal government's going to give you five thousand dollars towards your solar installation on your roof and the state government's going to give you two thousand dollars towards your solar installation on a roof and as soon as they do that all all the prices go up Mm -hmm. on these solar projects go up to five and a two (laughs) thousand like you just talk to the guy at home depot that's trying to sling you a solar panel he's like oh you can get this five thousand dollar federal rebate I'm like, oh, that's why you're five grand more expensive mm-hmm. than you know anyone else, or, or even they're like fifteen grand more expensive than anybody else. It's that's crazy. you know because I have friends that do solar, and you know we've talked to these guys in Home Depot, and it's like, yeah, that, but it, it doesn't cost that much money because you get money back, and which means if you're gonna get like you know a rebate from the government, you're contributing to to killing brown people on the mm-hmm. other side of the world because that's how they make the dollar worth. Uh, uh, holds its value is by murdering people who in, in in poorer countries who their dictators or their 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 uh you know puppet governors don't want to um you know participate in the U.S. dollar like you know Iraq for example. Well, meanwhile Libya. the American people are suffering at home. I mean, you you were talking about some of the factors that go into the increased home prices, and of course a major factor is just straight up inflation, which is the printing of the money. And we've seen the U.S. Federal uh, Reserve, the government has printed trillions in just the last few years they used covid as the excuse and it wasn't just the u.s government its governments and central banks all around the planet have printed many 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 trillions of dollars in total i think it was like 29 trillion globally or something was a number that i saw here in the u.s it was multiple trillion and uh, and that money is now bringing prices up all over the place. You can't get away. You and I just went out this morning. Uh, our, yep. our our families went out to uh, get some breakfast. It was just the the two of us and yep. and uh, you know me and Bonnie and you and and Shallon. And I think our bill was in the forty plus dollar range just for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Mine was like thirty eight something, and yep. I gave the uh, the the waitress a you know basically fifty bucks for her gift, and. Um, I, I love wow. it. That's I, pretty. That's pretty awesome. No, not fifty bucks. I gave her fifty dollars. Oh, okay. In total, I'm sorry. Her gift was <laughs> was tip. the remainder. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I, I actually, I, I kind of wanted to buy you breakfast this morning for coming no, all the way out no, there, but right. I've been kind of strapped lately. Okay. Uh, but uh, uh, the look on that waitress's face was priceless when I was like, I don't tip. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh. and, and I go, I go, I give a gift and the a relief gift. right yeah, yeah. then, and, and I give her a nice gift. You know, she got like eleven bucks. Yeah. for her gift. And uh, because gifts are not taxable, the tips uh, the tip is taxable. Please don't feed the parasite we call mm-hmm. the state. And she's like, "Oh, that's great! I love yeah. that. That <laughs> was fun. It's always fun to bring out, especially when you bring out the gold backs and you get the tip uh, with a gold back as well. People love that stuff. Uh, so, but people are having a real tough time. And I've got uh, Peter Saint Ange here, a clip from him from a couple of weeks ago. There was one that he did today on the Canadian situation. It's way worse, apparently, in Canada. The housing prices are going even more insane up there. Uh, the government, of course, is even more you know, insane there, believe it or not, than, than the U.S. government from a fiscal policy. But this is one where he talks about a debt tsunami that is incoming here, and I thought it was worth sharing. A few days ago, just before Fitch downgraded our spender-in-chief, the Treasury Department announced it plans to borrow what the Wall Street Journal termed an eye-popping amount. 
a trillion dollars over the next three months alone and a projected $1.85 trillion over the next six months. Both were 40 to 50% higher than Treasury's last estimate just two months ago. Wow. Note that was before the debt ceiling surrender, so Treasury may have been lightly cooking those books. UK bank Barclays termed the $1.85 trillion a, quote, Treasury tsunami. Meanwhile, new figures show federal spending jumped 18% in June. So what he's saying here is... You remember that whole debt crisis, debt ceiling controversy where the politicians were arguing over whether it should be raised or how much it should be raised and this all that? This is in Canada, though. No, this is the United oh, States. Oh, okay, all right. This is the United States. This happened back in May. There was yep. this big hubbub about the uh, the debt ceiling, as there always is whenever they reach the debt ceiling. And then, of course, they raised it. And they, if, as I recall it, they raised the debt ceiling an unlimited amount until, I believe, 2025, if I recall correctly. Which means they can go whole hog all the way through the election season. So you know what the bottom line of this is going to result. Uh, so what's going to happen in America is your food is going to get very, very expensive. Because the thing is, it takes land to produce food. Mm-hmm. It takes, uh, and, and it takes small farms to produce basically good, nutritionally dense food. Because all the big corporate stuff is just it's essentially all garbage food. But the the you know the real cost of food is like when you go into these little farmers markets and you go into these you know earthy crunchy like con- conquered you know what do they call it the co op here yeah uh, so because most of that's organic there's there's no government subsidy in it in fact I believe You're the actual the real price that Manadnat co op over there I don't believe pays any property tax because they're really? a nonprofit and mm. I, I I'm not 100 percent sure about that but there's definitely one in Massachusetts that's like a very identical store, mm-hmm. and they uh, they don't pay any taxes because they're a nonprofit, and they're still really expensive. Oh yeah, well they're still really expensive. You know, steaks are twenty three dollars a pound for certain mm-hmm. steaks, but there's no subsidy involved in that twenty three dollar a pound, twenty five dollar, or actually not even twenty three dollars a pound is cheap steak. I, I, what did I see at um the Concord Co op? It was like thirty one fifty a pound for you know like the higher end steaks, mm-hmm. like a month and a half ago. And in fact, my wife just sent me some pictures. She's like, "Yeah, you're selling your steak too cheap." And but you know the thing is is uh you know that's there's no government subsidizing it so when you go to Walmart and you go buy these you know basically the same type of cut of steak for mm-hmm. you know eight dollars a pound you know that's not that's going to be harder to make happen with this you know massive dollar tsunami because because food is a commodity that it takes labor it takes land it takes inputs like fuel and fertilizer it's all going up and and all this stuff and it's all very expensive. And uh, this is, you know, one of the reasons why me and my family are, are you know, raising our own food. And, I, and I, mm-hmm. I think being a farmer in the future after the system collapses, uh, the financial system collapses is going to be very profitable. But even if being a farmer is not profitable in the future, the skills that my kids will learn and other fa- families learn while farming uh, just lead to all kinds of other. You, you can be a mechanic. And yeah, there's anything always going to be a I mean, people are always going to need to eat. So, and well, but right now it's like to be a farmer is not profitable because you essentially you're competing against subsidies. You're, you're right? competing against subsidies right. from all uh, like Monsanto growing practices and stuff. Well, that said, I mean, uh, Bardo Farm is sort of the locally run free stater farm, for lack yep. of a better term, uh, here in New Hampshire. And so I understand it. They don't have any problem selling all their meat. No, like, no, they don't no, have yeah. any leftover, right? No, no. They they uh they've actually been doing pretty good at selling all their meat, uh, which is you know awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's a lot of hard work, but uh, still, it's like you know, but it's expensive meat. Yeah, like a lot. But they're a, doing it. That's but, the important. But they are doing it, and 
and, and it's good quality meat. And people see that. People can, they can taste it. They mm-hmm. know it. Uh, well, you can go there, you know, you can go there and pet the cows if you want. Sure. You know, just come to my place and feed the cows or pet the cows. Yeah. And, and same thing with the pigs. Uh, all that up there. There's more people up here that really value that. I remember reading about um, some study, and I'm sure we could pull it up. Uh, they, they keep, you know, looking at the different states and how many, uh, what's the economy like there for local foods? What, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, vegetables or fruits or yep. cows or whatever. Uh, and uh, consistently, New Hampshire, Vermont, and Maine are the three highest states. I think they kind of shift on which one ranks it at what, number one versus number two. But they are the three most local vor, as I, I believe the terminology, states of all of the uh, the fifty. Now, maybe that's changed in the last couple of years. It's been a, it's been a few years since I last checked the the charts. But uh, pretty consistently over the years, those those three have been at, at the top. So there's a large interest, not just within the libertarian community, but just within New Hampshire's well, community in general. And health-conscious people. And, like, there's a whole bunch of, you know, native New Hampshireans that I know that they've been raising two hogs, you know, mm-hmm. every year for their entire lives, for as long as their family can remember. They've been raising a couple of cows. They've always had 20, 30 chickens and and then they trade, you know, they get excess, excess eggs and they trade, you know, with their neighbor. Like, a, you know, so there's there's a whole bunch that's been going on for generations with, uh, you know, Granite Staters, which is another reason New Hampshire. And just the, the whole Arcadia, which is Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, you know, Quebec and all that area is essentially the, the people have been here for generations. They're like that. They've been taking care of themselves mm-hmm. and raising their own food. We got more coming up here and you can join the show. The number 603-283-6160. Got more on the debt tsunami coming to the United States. It's on the way, according to the government's own numbers. This is Free Talk Live. Hour 3 is coming up. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up what you want here. Just dial in. 603-283-6160 Ian and Jay joining you tonight and of course you can join us online over at freetalklive.com and the features you will find there at freetalklive.com are myriad and they are free so check it out and don't forget we do have our own social media platform which is also free for you to use over at social.freetalklive.com it's a mastodon system that means it is open source it's self-hosted it's more decentralized than the mega big tech corporate platforms like uh, twitter or x as it is called now and facebook or meta or whatever Uh, but ours is free and it is way more open to you expressing yourself over at social.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash. It's digital cash. Dash is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In fact, uh, Dash has been out there for a long time. They're one of the oldest cryptocurrencies around. And they've, over the years, they've cultivated some relationships in the world of commerce, being able to buy and sell things with Dash. And one of those things that we promoted for some time was something called Dash Direct, but unfortunately the company that was behind that decided they were going to get out of the crypto business, likely due to all of the government threats uh, that have been going on against crypto-related companies. But not everybody has left the scene. Uh, In fact, what Dash Direct allowed for was the purchase of discounted gift cards 
for thousands of businesses in the United States. We're talking about brands that you will recognize that you probably already shop with. But uh, so Dash Direct is gone, but BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years. And they got a ton of big name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon gift cards, and even prepaid MasterCards. You could actually live off your Dash using BitRefill.com. And many of their gift cards also come with a discount. So check them out. Uh, Dash is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get, it's easy to use Dash, and it's now even available through the decentralized Maya Protocol Exchange. That's one worth looking into. Start by learning more at Dash.org. And thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. Let's talk to Chuck in Washington State. Chuck, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you so much for taking my call. I don't mean to be cliche, but I really mean it when I say that because I wanted to let you know a couple weeks ago, I called you and I was listening to you on KQP in Newport, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I talked to the owner of uh, the previous owner of that uh, of that station. And I don't know if they're going to be able to I don't know what's going on with Free Talk Live at KQP just because. He told me he sold the station. So Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, yeah. And uh, the other thing that I wanted to uh, talk about, too, is the uh, KTOX community that listens to Free Talk Live. I guess they got a freaking hurricane that's getting ready to uh, tackle the whole area right there. Uh, um, just it, it's like It looks like it's aiming up for the southern end of the Cascade Mountain Range, going right huh. up to uh oregon so my wife my wife's got a good friend that lives in oregon she talks to every week to have a conversation they're very good friends for years and she was actually at our wedding uh here in new hampshire but uh her friend was saying a few days several days ago or or something that like it was the hottest they have ever experienced like it was really really hot Mm. uh She's not far from Portland or right outside of Portland, and she said it was something. It was re- residual heat from the Maui fires. It was some kind of weather uh, thing, it's, and it's just I haven't looked into this other than a phone call, you know, that my my wife was telling me about. But there's definitely I, I some crazy that. weather. Yeah, it was hot. Yeah, I can, yeah, I I can confirm that. But I I, I guess I'm not really uh, trying to um, you know submit this idea that there's a uh, global warming crisis or anything like that or climate change i mean i I think i there is climate change but you know that is caused by the big ball uh, ball of fire that we rotate around right and so uh, the whole idea of cycles and everything like that we got uh we got the unfortunate end of a a solar cycle that uh, i i guess the only time that they had this and um uh, the screener that took my call before the uh uh, uh, I I got on the air here, and I'm we don't have screeners here. Oh, that was, that oh, was, that was you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, they were talking about the difference between hurricane and cyclones. Uh, no, typhoon. Now, typhoon, hurricane, oh, no, and typhoon. Oh, I'm sorry. Twisters, yeah, quasars, everything like that. Typhoons, I think they spin clockwise, and uh, oh, hurricanes. No. According, according to, I just looked it what, up, what according to uh, the internet, uh, they say if it is above <laughs> the North Atlantic, Central North Pacific, or Eastern North Pacific oh, Oceans, makes, yeah. they call it a hurricane. If it hovers over the Northwest Pacific Ocean, so we're talking East Asia, 
they call it a typhoon. So it just depends on the part of the world uh, that this thing is happening. So apparently West Southwest California is still in the hurricane naming ter- uh, territory. But I'm looking here at this uh, radar over at weather.com. By the way, this hurricane's name is Hillary. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. That's so rich. I that poor hurricane. <laughs> She's going to tear up the West Coast, apparently. But uh, it's it looks like it's down by uh, west off the western Mexico coast right now, and it may be yeah. coming up north. But, I mean, you're talking about KTOX. That's our affiliate in Needles, California, Needle, which right. also has a signal in Arizona. So it's right there at the corner between uh, the you know the uh, the the two states. I mean, it's pretty right, inland. Yeah. This thing is not going. The people in Needles, I don't think, have anything to worry about uh, besides maybe well, some slight winds and some some rain. This is not going to be any well, kind of devastation. I, I, well, we don't know that, and I'm and I'm saying that because they don't get these uh, downpours like this until October. It's the uh, desert, and, right? Right, yeah. the dry desert, and yeah, yeah. I don't. They're uh, predicting five inches. There's a gentleman from Scott, or, or I'm sorry, he's from uh, uh, Fort Mojave. He holds mm-hmm. down the fort in Fort Mojave. He calls into the K2X, and he's worried about this because it's five inches. Mm-hmm. Now, up here in Longview, Washington, you know, five inches is nothing. But down there in the, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Is that because, I, I mean, you're not down there. You're in Washington, so you don't really know about living down there, right? Or have you lived down there previously? Well, I, yes, I, I've been Well, I've been to Apache Junction, and uh, so I've got boots on the ground as far as I, I under, kind of understand. Like, well, what happens when ability? five inches of rain falls in a desert climate? I mean, is that something that is going to cause like mass flash flooding or something like that. I that's that's, what, that's I guess that's the most likely scenario that I would uh, be most concerned about. Jay and, says he knows a uh, thing about it. Go ahead, so Jay. I was in Northeast Colorado in 2015 and they got a foot of rain in what's called the Poudre Valley Basin. Mm-hmm. It didn't hardly rain at all where I was, but like four miles up the road, this river called... Um, well, there's the Platte River, the South Platte River, and uh, these rivers are like basically like little cricks that you could just, you know, walk through with a mm-hmm. set of knee-high muck boots and not even get get wet. And But mm-hmm. when these things flooded, uh, what happened is it is it took oil tanks, it took propane tanks, it took cattle, it took bales of hay, it took farm equipment, it took horses, and like... This, yeah. this, 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 I think it was 15 inches of rain uh, hit this what they call Poudre Valley Basin. It overwhelmed um, the, these dams and you know just just rock slides and just muck and rock and all kinds of debris coming through these. Hmm. It, like wiped out all kinds of houses along these creeks uh, because these creeks turn you know go from you know uh, let's say um, you know uh, they measure these things in in, in acre feet flow or uh square feet per second cubic feet per second mm-hmm. but they go from like a like a few like a hundred trickle. like yeah. a few hundred square feet to like mm-hmm. millions and millions of square feet per second wow. like within you know a couple hours or even you mm-hmm. know less than an hour it's just and it's insane so all this water is like sort of funneled into one area but it all the water just goes to where it's low uh so on these right. on these flat desert areas now arizona like where where ernest hancock is looking to buy property um like where his property is uh, uh, that he's looking to buy and where his friend Bob lives, like it's like just super flat, but it's on a little bit of a grade. Mm-hmm. But anywhere that you're next to any kind of what they call a wash, 
So the washes just fill right up. And these washes, like, you know, like, and so like in, um, so in uh, LA, they have these, you know, big canals that are most, most of the time they're nothing. But when they get right. a massive rain like this, they'll just flash flood and fill up. So you'll mm-hmm. have all kinds of trash and garbage that's in there. People, and, and, and there's like a lot of homeless people live in these things. And right. a lot of times it rains, you know, a hundred miles north of LA or 200 miles north of LA, or there's big snow melt. And all of a sudden this wall of water comes down through these things. And a lot of, you know, things can happen if people are in there. Uh, but yeah, it can, you got to really pay attention, um, when it, when something like this happens. So basically everyone in this area where I'm looking at this map, you know, where they got this, you know, showing all this rain's going to happen that lives next to yeah. a wash should be preparing for that wash to like fill up and go over mm. its banks. They should be preparing Thank you for, for saying something right, about it. Thank roads you. to be washed Thank out. You. So like you should make sure that you have water. You should make sure you have enough fuel for your generator. You're going to get some water if you don't. Uh, well, really I'm, I'm saying fresh water. <laughs> yeah. Like if your power is going out because because <laughs> like because like, for example, like even where like, um, you know, like uh, Bob and Ernie, you know, are, are kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, living out there uh, west of um, Phoenix. Uh, those guys could possibly all those washes between, you know, the nearest oh, store. Yeah. They, they, they're just all going to be gone. Like, mm-hmm. when, you know, when something like that happens, especially, and the thing is, is it isn't so much the water. It's what the water's carrying that really does it. Yeah. So the water does a lot of damage, yeah, but sure. so, so, so does all the trees and the rocks and the houses and the cars and the, and the bales of hay. Like, uh, I, 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 and even upstate New York, I watched where there was a big flood up there at my, um, right around central New York, Middleburg, Cobuskill area. They got 14 inches of rain in 24 hours. And it flooded out all these houses. It actually moved houses. Like just houses were just lifted right up. Like some mm-hmm. of these houses were only like like they had modern foundations. Mm-hmm. And the foundation in the whole house just like popped right out of the wow. ground. And just and it just like moved just it like a couple it. hundred feet. Damn. And then this like I remember this bridge, there was round bales, you know, like the marshmallow bales you see like mm-hmm. in fields. Like hail, hay bales. Hay bales mm-hmm. that were like this bridge was like 25 feet above like where the river usually is. This, this river is a Schoharie Creek. The bridge was Middleburg, New York, uh, State Route 145 and Route 30 intersect at this bridge. And I can remember seeing round bales on like, you know, like on top of the like guardrail thing that had like a pointed like top thing, like a round bales, like kind of like hanging off of it. And I'm like, the water got up that high to float a bale Damn. that that's, that's like insane. And like this whole like town was underwater yeah. middleburg new york like the main street had like 12 feet of water in it that happened over in vermont and, recently and with some yeah. crazy rains so like anybody in these washes around this they need to maybe just like leave while they can um or like just be you prepared know, to be prepared be aware if you're next to somewhere where water flows and you're in the southwest united states like you better like pay attention hmm. So the, the the forecast that K2X is calling for is uh, rain uh, on Friday and then a temperature drop of about 20, uh, actually 30 degrees. Wow. They're expecting 80-degree uh, weather okay. in this place that is uh, accustomed to 110, 120-degree weather. So the writing's on the wall. Thank you so much for Yeah, no problem, Chuck. Thanks for calling in tonight. Appreciate it. Uh, I was just looking here at the weather.com uh, report on this. It looks to me like if you're in the KTOX region, which again is right on the, the corner between uh, California and Arizona, it's probably, uh, you know, if you believe this forecast, it's probably not going to be five inches like they were saying or like Chuck was saying. They're saying maybe one to two inches. Uh, but that still may be some 
some trouble for certain people in certain circumstances. And if this is something you aren't going through, you know, I take it just, I guess I just don't take these things as serious because I'm from Florida and it's just like, you know, whenever a hurricane comes through Florida, we just, <laughs> you just yawn and, you know, grab, grab some party favors and you throw a hurricane party and you just throw caution to the wind and, you know, you're probably going to be fine. Just make sure you take the, uh, the lawn furniture up and bring that inside or if you get a pool you throw it in the pool and then uh, it doesn't flip that into your windows or or whatever but then again you can always have a branch get thrown through a window or something so if it is like serious winds then you definitely want to stay away from windows of course you can always board those up in advance that's another thing that you can do but uh, it doesn't look like you know if you're inland you're probably not gonna be dealing with crazy winds by the time this thing gets to you if you're on the coast however of uh, what looks like Baja, California. It looks like it's going to really hit uh, Baja, California, Me- or Mexico, which is part of Mexico, uh, down there, and then then run into uh, the southwest portion of California. So well, those people are going to have the, the worst of here, it. Here's the biggest concern with, say, the, uh, let's say, western um, Arizona, where I see some of this reds bleeding into. So I haven't really actually been to the Arizona-California line. Mm-hmm. But if it's what the rest of Arizona looks like uh, that I've been to, you know, so uh, it's, you know, they're not used to, like, dealing with tremendous amounts of rain. If they get five yeah. inches of rain there, what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of electrical infrastructure that's going to be down. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen, uh, you know, 24 hours after the rain, the temperature is going to get back up to that 100-degree range, you know, whatever. It, you know, it's very hot yeah. in that area. So Yeah, so, he said it was going down, going down 30 degrees to 80. <laughs> right, so so, so it, it's probably going to go back up to 110, yeah, like, as yeah. they're high. So if you don't, if you're someone who can't handle, you know, isn't going to, you have to have air conditioning, you better mm-hmm. make sure you got gas in your generator and your fuel tanks right. are, 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 are prepared so you can, so when the electricity doesn't work because of the power lines got, you know, compromised because of, you know, the floodwaters and, and, and the washes or whatever is going on. Uh, that's where I see is the biggest issue is the days after uh, people like elderly people, especially not having air conditioning. Uh, they're gonna and 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 sick you know, and, and even healthy people. It'd be 110 degrees. You can still if you're yeah. not prepared, you you can be in a lot of trouble. So you gotta have drinkable water for well, sure. And you're gonna have to be able to cool yourself somehow mm-hmm. if it's gonna get really hot and there's no power. Yeah, good advice. If you want to weigh in here, uh, maybe you've been in southern california and possibly western arizona and you've actually been through weather like this before i suspect that doesn't happen very often uh, but if you want to weigh in on what happened the last time that might be actually useful feel free to join us here at 603-283-6160 we go to major Payne calling us from michigan you're on free talk live go ahead major yeah i remember one time i can tell you something about the power of the western rivers I was out there one time just after a, a big storm had come in up upriver on the Missouri, and it had uprooted an entire tree, and this tree was huge. It was probably 50 to 70 feet tall, whole root mass and everything floating right down the middle of the river. Wow. Well, it hit this very violent hole, and it just sucked that tree right under the water. <laughs> that was wild. I mean, That's if you had been a flat boat, you know, Trying to get down the river, yeah, you'd be done. Might have done the same thing to you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the power of water is something to definitely be reconciled. Yeah, you don't want to mess with it for sure. Died crossing the washes because you get a rain three hundred miles up river, you don't know it, and all of a sudden this wall of water hits you. Yep, that's a great point. Uh, anything else you want to share tonight, Major? Well, you guys were talking about all the organic cows and whatnot. Here in Michigan, and I think it might be nationwide, we have a co-op of organic farmers. It's called Organic Valley. 
Okay. And they've been formed a long time, so I think they got the dot com on their internet thing if you want to check them out. But uh, basically, you got to have, you got to be able to prove your soil is organic, right? And uh, that that demands a much higher price. But you sure. also have the standing of you know one, two, five, a thousand farmers behind you. And the thing got, is, you know, there's no crop subsidies for these organic guys. The only way you get well. There's no federal crop subsidies. I don't know about, you know, local or whatever, but there's essentially no crop subsidies for the organic uh, farm operations. So this is why, you know, your organic versus inorganic, you know, uh, a lot of stuff is just so radically priced so differently because the organic guy, when he deals with weeds, he's either going to go in there with a weed burner. And then if he's somewhere where it's like dry, like Northeast Colorado or Nebraska, and he's got to go in there with a weed burner, and then he's got to go in there with a, a you know a fire truck, you know, to support the weed burner, so you don't set the whole place on fire. Or you got to do was you got to plow the land, you got to till it a little bit, uh, cultivate it, you know, run run some uh, equipment through with some chisels or whatever, you know, for um, you know taking out the weeds, say between the corn rows. So doing it like you know weeding with uh, with a plow, for example, costs like you know can cost you fifteen, twenty, thirty dollars an acre, maybe even forty dollars an acre. Uh, to get done if you got like hundreds of acres that adds up quick to where spraying roundup uh you can do it for like six dollars an acre you know by the time you you and and then you're getting subsidies on top of it so this is why america has america canada has a lot of really really cheap food but all the cheap food's really bad for you because it's got a all been sprayed with roundup Mm -hmm. yeah and if you're if you're trying to make it on an old 50 acre farm or something and all the mega farmers around you are spraying Roundup and whatnot on their crops, you could fail your own soil test just because of the water wheat from their crop. That's right. Thank you, Major Payne, for the call tonight, man. I appreciate it. Uh, Looking here at the weather.com story about this uh, California potential hurricane, they say that even if it hits as a tropical storm, that alone is very rare. In this area of uh, the world, they say if Hillary is still categorized as a tropical storm by the time it hits California, that would be the first time that has happened in almost 26 years since the former Hurricane Nora tracked near the Colorado River in California as a tropical storm back in September of 1997. There were only two other times that happened prior to 1950, including a September 1939 tropical storm in the L.A. Basin. An October 2nd, 1858 hurricane, which tracked from San Diego to Long Beach. So, I mean, you're talking about in 100 years, uh, 150 years, there's only been a handful of tropical storms and maybe one hurricane that has hit this area. So, yeah, they're definitely not used to this. So, I wonder what would happen if San Francisco got five inches of rain. So you, you you've seen the videos of San Francisco of just the the tent cities every street is just all these definitely streets. wash away some of the poop. From well, the so yeah, there's going to be a whole bunch of poop and needles and all kinds of trash <laughs> oh, and you know being washed into the you yeah. know wherever it goes, some river then into the ocean. There, what's that going to do the you know to the local fish That's population? Awful. But what's it going to do to all those homeless people? when you know yeah. they're used to having sort of like perfect pristine weather all the time there and that's my wife my wife lived out in that area for a little while some years ago and she's like the weather was perfect year-round every day and that's why uh, people move there that's why people move there that's also why it you know, was one, uh, the first reason the, the 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 drug addicts all move there is because of the welfare and it's real comfortable to live is the second reason you know so um 
but you know, was it, it's going to be interesting? This to see one what goes may on avoid there. San Francisco, according to the uh, you know the predictions. But of course, those don't always go as predicted. Let's talk to David Hathaway, He's the sheriff, calling us from Arizona's uh, one of the border communities there, Santa Cruz County. Uh, sheriff uh, David Hathaway, welcome. Yeah, hi, uh, Ian and Jay. You got me thinking about this uh, hurricane stuff. It's I guess we're right in the path. I'm right on the Mexican border. Um, and when we get storms like this, it kind of depends if they get slowed down by uh, the Baja Peninsula. And mm-hmm. if they go right up the Sea of Cortez, that's kind of that body of water between Mazatlan and Cabo San Lucas. Um, and that comes up pretty close to us, like within, say, 150 miles of, of where I am and about 60 miles of the of the Arizona border. And kind of a weird thing about... Well, hold that thought. I want to bring you back in here and uh, we'll find out what sort of things you guys are doing down there in uh, the border community of uh, Nogales, I believe is the the town, to prepare for this. Uh, Again, pretty unusual to see this kind of thing happening in the southwest. We got uh, Sheriff David Hathaway on the line. The number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up anything you want here as well on Free Talk Live. We were talking about the economy and the federal debt tsunami that's coming over the next three to six months with another couple trillion of spending on deck for the federal government thugs. It's Ian and Jay here in the studio tonight. You can join us online, of course, over at freetalklive.com. You can enjoy the features we have there. And thank you to our supporters of this program via the Free Talk Live AMPS program. These are listeners just like you who really appreciate the work that we're doing here on Free Talk Live. People like Ala Loka, who is a gold-level supporter of our AMPS program, meaning Ala Loka is contributing $10 per month to amps.freetalklive.com. That'll take you right over to our uh, Patreon page where you can get signed up for as little as $5 a month, Ala Loka doubling that. So thank you, Ala Loka. And again, once again, that's uh, amps.freetalklive.com to get signed up, and you can uh, help us advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live. It's a great way to get directly Behind the show, we certainly appreciate listeners like Alaloka at amps.freetalklive.com. We got Sheriff David Hathaway on the line with us here. He is the sheriff of uh, the Santa Cruz County down there in southern Arizona on the border. Now, you're a little bit ways you know, inland uh, compared to the rest of Arizona, but you say you guys are still getting ready for this thing, this uh, Hurricane Hillary. David, what were you saying there just before we had to go to the break? Yeah, you know, we're already in our monsoon season. Our monsoon season, our rainy season typically goes late June up till mid-September. So we already get flash flooding this time oh, of year, okay. like, like Jay was mentioning. We have um, high mountain ranges on two sides of us. We have mountain ranges that have peaks that are over 9,000 feet. And kind of the way the moisture goes through Arizona this time of year, uh, you kind of have these rain shadows and it's based on elevation. So you have moist air coming from Mexico, coming from the Pacific Ocean, and then it hits these mountain ranges and it kind of goes like a ramp and it pushes the moist air really high to where it cools off and then it dumps the rain typically around the mountains. So that's where our dangerous flash floods come is there'll be heavy rains in the mountains and then there Mm. will be canyons and arroyos that come off the mountains and these flash floods will come out of nowhere even if there's no rain in the area because it's the, the watershed is 
is up in the mountains. But yeah, the river, the one river we have here is Santa Cruz River. It's the same name as this county. And I live right next to it. So that's kind of the one floodplain that we have. And it actually uh, is the, the rain in Mexico feeds that river. So if we get heavy rains in Mexico, then we can get flooding along that river. Hmm. So you guys are used to getting some water in there. It's not going to be, uh, you know, probably the end of the world for you if the hurricane kind of comes your way. Yeah, and I have a search and rescue team that's all volunteers. So under Arizona state law, each sheriff's office has to have a search and rescue team. And I, since I came in, I doubled the number of volunteers because there's hmm. a lot of people that want to help the community, and it's no tax burden for that's great. the taxpayers. So um, these guys, they have some of them retired. A lot of them have full-time jobs, but they'll drop what they're doing. Typically, these emergencies are in the middle of the night, and they'll go look for people up in the mountains or people that are maybe caught in a flash flood, and they call in on a cell phone. So mm-hmm. um, we have a very motivated search and rescue group, and they're a real fun group to hang out with. They have little barbecues together and whatnot because, like I say, they're they're not motivated by a paycheck. They're motivating, motivated by, by public service. So they're doing a lot this time of year anyway, like when we get our little flash floods about every week in different parts of the county. So that's that's something that we typically respond to this time of year. If it was a month and a half ago, it would have been range fires, like during our dry season, a lot of lightning fires. But that's kind of died down. The rain has settled in and, and things are greening up. Very cool. Um, actually, we have a call on the line here. Uh, David, do you mind taking a call? Sure. All right, I'm going to put you here and we'll bring Rob on the line in Vermont. Rob, you're on with Sheriff David Hathaway from Arizona. Go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Sheriff, I've heard you on Free Talk Live many times. I've been listening to this show and participating with this show for about 15 years. And so I recognize the voice and stuff. And uh, the sheriff is probably about the only type of law enforcement that I would trust. But but I I wanted to ask you, uh, some folks that I know, and, and including myself, have been through the court system uh, and have been found guilty for crimes that we have not committed. And the people involved were, uh, uh, they were protected by qualified immunity. Does that kind of thing happen in your area at all? And what are your feelings about how qualified immunity should work? Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah, you, as Rob. a matter of fact, I just did a, an extensive interview this week with some First Amendment auditors that operate here in Arizona. Hmm. There's a YouTube channel uh, called Hendry, H-E-N-D-R-Y, and he just interviewed me on that subject this, this week. And there's another very a guy I really like uh, named Christopher Ruff, R-U-F-F, that's his YouTube channel, very active here in Arizona, YouTube auditor, goes up and films the police, and um, he, he gets some very interesting reactions. So... Um, yeah, my feeling is, uh, you know, the, the the police have no special rights above any, anything else. There shouldn't be anything like qualified immunity. There shouldn't be laws like, you know, hate, hate speech or special privilege. Anybody should have the, you know, the right to express their feelings on any subject. So, yeah, I kind of, I don't know if you would find that on YouTube, that recent uh, interview I did with a YouTube uh, channel named Hendry, H-E-N-D-R-Y, but okay. we got into that. But yeah, I don't think there should be anything like qualified immunity because that just encourages cops to pull out their guns and start blazing away at people. Um, 
you know, I, I mentioned a while back to Ian about a guy who was shot nine times in the back in a wheelchair outside of Walmart in Tucson, making his high speed two mile an hour getaway yeah, from a cop yeah. to the parking lot. And, you know, that guy is off scot-free now. They dropped the case wow. on him once. It was refiled and they dropped it again. So, no, there shouldn't be any spe- special privilege that just encourages Did cops. Did he keep to- his job, that cop? Yeah, he did. He, wow. he kept his job, and he's still working for Tucson Police Department. That's amazing. Uh, thank you for answering that question, uh, Sheriff Hathaway. Uh, Jay, you got the sheriff on the line here. Do you want to ask him uh, something? You were talking about the the uh, Santa Cruz River. Uh, kind of goes yeah. through your area. So I, I don't. I'm pretty. Sh- I was just trying to look on Google Maps uh, as you were chatting here. So when I was uh, visiting my mom in Tucson, there's like a Santa Cruz River Park. And yeah, that, you, and that's the same river. Okay, know? all right. So I thought that one like looped like down into Mexico and then came back into the states, possibly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Exactly. Like we have some ranch land in two counties in Cochise County. That's where the Santa Cruz River starts, but then it goes into Mexico. It loops down into Mexico, comes back up into the U.S., goes through Nogales, and then passes through Tucson on kind of the west side of Tucson, and then just kind of dissipates out in the desert there. I think. Technically, on a map, it joins up with the Gila River and then heads towards Yuma, the Colorado River in Yuma. But it usually just kind of dries up out in the desert there in the area of Gila Band and Picacho Peak and those areas. Yeah. uh, So anyways, uh, one of the things that we did is we took a a bike ride um, down the uh, no, not a bike ride. We went with the uh, stroller and the kids uh, down this uh, Santa Cruz Park thing. There's like a real uh, river. And there's uh, like a rail trail that goes through there. And it's like right alongside that river. I mean, that river doesn't have to come up too high. And that rail, that bicycle path is, is underwater. And one thing that there was was like there was a lot of homeless people living down there. Um, and and like uh, does, do people like go and like warn these guys that something's coming? I mean, is that like a thing that's, you know, happens down there? You know, they should. Um I remember seeing those camps years ago, like when I was going to the University of Arizona in Tucson, they would just, it's kind of a seasonal thing. You know, the climate's pretty mild in Tucson year round. It's not as hot as Phoenix or Yuma because it's higher elevation, but a lot of camp campsites down there. Typically, they would know that this time of year is kind of our rainy season, and that's when the floods come up. And at least that part of the river is flat, and you can kind of hear the water coming uh, from a long ways. It's not like some of those mountain canyons like Sabino Canyon or some of those things on the north uh, and northeast side of, of Tucson. Uh, but yeah, um, we don't have, we have the Santa Cruz River down here, but we don't have those kind of camps down here along the river in, in Santa Cruz County. But yeah, that's something they should think about in Tucson is, is warning those people. Yeah, because you know, I, you know, I just, I, and you can see that, and, and, and I would hope they would know because you can see that, like, definitely, there's like stuff like, you know, several feet high in the trees that you like, you can't reach, you know, unless you, you know, got in there with a ladder yeah, or and, something, and, and the, you could tell the water was that just, high. It doesn't take that much runoff because there's not a lot of vegetation to slow down the water, and not a lot of topsoil like when. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid in the 1970s, I remember we got 11 of 11 inches of, of rain in one week, and uh, that Santa Cruz River was hitting the bridges and going over the top of the bridges. Like just the amount of runoff was unbelievable uh, with with that amount of rain in one week. So if you get like five inches or four inches, you definitely will have flooding. And you know how Tucson is laid out, Jay. It's like very flat, yep. uh, and so the streets just get like rivers. There's not a lot of you know natural. There's nowhere for it to go. Slopes. There's no place for it to go. So the main streets do get flooded. 
Uh, David, anything else you want to share tonight with our audience? No, that's it. I'm enjoying the show, and I'm going to do some more research on the Internet about the path of this hurricane. Right. But hey, good luck out there, and thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Let's go to this caller. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hey, this is Rusty from Portland. Rusty, you're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, did you hear about the person in charge of Measure 110 in Oregon resigning last month? Uh, measure 110, is that the drug decrim thing that passed yes. a few years ago? That's correct. No, from what did they resign? Well, they were the person, Angela Carter, she was the person in charge of the implementation of the program. Mm -hmm. And she resigned last month claiming that the Oregon Health Authority was actively trying to sabotage Measure 110. Whoa. Okay. Tell me more. Well, she said that the agency leaders tried to manipulate the volunteer council that was the oversight council into making decisions the OHA favored. And they also claimed that they were hiding certain data from the public and trying to obscure important information from the council and the public against the advice of the Oregon Department of Justice. And all and, and hold on, just hire... to clarify, what would obscuring this information presumably result in? Is this information that would make drug decriminalization look good, or is it information that would make drug decriminalization look like a failure? I'm not sure. The mm -hmm. the article said that they claim the agency officials willfully designed the Measure 110 funding, data collection, and communications procedures for failure mm. against the advice of all program staff and external advisory councils. Okay, so and it sounds also, like they're trying to throw a wrench into the drug decriminalization there to make it look like a failure. Um, that way people will want to undo it. That's what I'm I'm getting out of this. Yeah, and I think it was kind of like a fall guy because they didn't even hire this person until six months after the law passed, mm -hmm. and it was somebody with no government experience whatsoever. It was some naturopathic physician in mm -hmm. recovery from addiction, and so I think they were set up for fail or attempted to set up for failure from the beginning. Or yeah, is this what they're claiming? We we had a really detailed article. I think it was by the Atlantic on the Oregon drug decriminalization. It was so lengthy, you know, we couldn't possibly get through it on the air. But uh, but my recollection from that story was the government side of things, of course, has been botched as you would expect the government to do. They were supposed to be taking uh, revenue. I think it might have been from the marijuana decrim or marijuana legalization. There, they were supposed to be taking revenue from that. And then moving that over to drug treatment programs, but it's been absolutely, you know, bureaucratically flummoxed and held up for, you know, what is now, what, three years since this thing went into yeah. effect? Uh, two, two and a half years, something like that. And yeah, they didn't even start handing out money till the second half of 2022. Yeah. And it passed in 2020. I mean, not that as a liberty-minded person, I think there should be any kind of government uh, treatment or government funding of treatment programs, but that's the way they set this up. It just has not played out at all in the way that it was supposed to be set up to play out. And now what you're saying is the one of the women who was on the side of drug decriminalization has thrown up her hands in frustration and has walked away from the job because the government people are, she says, purposely uh, botching this up. Right. Mm -hmm. And another interesting thing, like, 
with because uh, a lot of the money comes from cannabis tax revenue, right? It technically can't be used to fund any drug treatment centers that accept Medicare because marijuana is still illegal on the federal level. Okay. Yep. So that throws another wrench into it. Interesting. Hey, thanks for sharing that. Anything else you want to get out there tonight? No, that's it. Thank you. Yeah, feel free to keep giving us updates on this. Uh, definitely appreciate the inside scoop on drug decriminalization there in Oregon. Uh, one of the most important experiments going on in the United States, and it's one that I I want to see become a success, but if the, the government bureaucrats want to make it look like it's been a failure, then they can certainly have some influence over that. I think that's that's unfortunate. Now, the, the way, of course, to do it would have been to just simply decriminalize all drugs and leave it alone and just let the market handle the issues of people that actually need help rather than having some government wealth redistribution program that they've dragged their feet on actually implementing. And so, therefore, these people that want to provide the assistance to people they can say well we're trying to help but we aren't getting funding from the government and they're taking forever so they just blame the government for their problems rather than just going out and solving the problems by raising the money on their own yeah that's the you know the private market's the only thing that's going to solve these situations and another thing that's really good uh people should look into is ibogaine Mm -hmm. just internet search ibogaine it's amazing uh, it resets the dopamine receptors in your brain. There's a whole bunch of really good stories of people who have been, you know, heroin addicts, alcoholics. Yeah, but it's illegal uh, in the United it States. It is illegal in the United States because the politicians don't want the drug problem solved. That's right. They really don't. They want people addicted. Right, to because drugs. people who are addicted to drugs don't pay attention to politicians. Mm-hmm. They, they just they, want to get their next fix. They, so they'll vote for their next fix. They'll mm-hmm. vote for their welfare check. And also, if you're someone who's working and productive and you have a loved one that's a that's a, a heroin addict or a crackhead, um, guess what you're not doing? You're not paying attention to politicians either. So it's a major yeah. distraction uh, that's working quite well. Let's get back into uh, Peter St. Anch. He was talking about this debt tsunami, which could be one point eight five trillion dollars in new government debt in the next six months one trillion expected in the next three months he said they uh predicted these numbers uh, they were much lower on their predictions prior to the debt ceiling being raised and that brings us to where he was here in his update which we'll play more up for you here 18 percent in june on the year ago talking about federal 646 billion dollars on the month that's an annualized eight trillion which is almost double what the feds collect Meanwhile, tax receipts also slumped 9% to just $418 billion. $8 trillion in federal spending expected over the next year. Remember when it was, you know, uh, what was it, Obama? It was like $4 trillion and it was like crazy. Yep. Now it's double that. That comes to a $228 billion hole on the month alone, which is roughly $7 billion of fresh debt per day. Put them together, and the budget deficit, which is already up 170% on last year, is set to soar. The problem is who would buy all that eye-popping debt? I've mentioned recently how Japan's monetary policy and China's slowing economy could turn two of the main buyers of U.S. debt into sellers. And we know that in the next, I think, week or so, week and a half, the BRICS summit is going to be happening uh which of course is something like 40 percent of the world's population is in the BRICS country uh BRICS countries these are some very economically strong and and growing economically strong countries you've got uh, of course brazil 
you got Russia, you got India, China, and South Africa. They're going to be talking about admitting new countries into BRICS at this upcoming meeting. And one of the main topics of discussion, at least prior to the summit, has been what are they going to do about re- uh, releasing their dependence on the dollar? And that's what he's he's touching on here is that China may be getting rid of some of its dollars Good that for it China. has in holdings. And they may be creating their own currency, but we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Together today, they hold roughly $2 trillion. Meanwhile, the Fed is rolling off its $5 trillion stack of treasuries, rolling off meaning letting them expire and not buying new ones, to the tune of $30 billion per month, expected to double to $60 billion per month in September. So if the three main buyers of federal debt are now sellers, who's going to buy that $1.85 trillion? Keep in mind, China is also busy bribing countries out of the U.S. dollar, both as part of the BRICS project and with its development banks that lure countries off the greenback. The last man standing is private buyers which drains money that, in theory, was supposed to finance the real economy. So businesses, households, homeowners. So what happens next? I mean, you would have to be a real dupe to go out and buy U.S. government treasuries at this point. Uh, But there are some people who are easily duped. They still think the government's going to pay its debts back and that they're trustworthy or whatever. Well, they actually believe that there's accountability in government and there's regulators that protect the people uh, even just like the, the one of the guys I ran against uh, when I ran for state representative, Tony Kaplan, he's the guy who won. Mm-hmm. He, the Democrat. He, he beat me. He's a Democrat. Yeah. And he's like, the Federal Reserve's doing an amazing job. Of course, they're 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 um, you know, they're not creating money out of thin air. That's ridiculous. What? Why would you think that? It's all backed by gold. What do you think the purpose of Fort Knox is? I'm like, the guy's just a total. <laughs> he, he's got no wisdom. You know, he's been a career right. parasite. You just know, regurgitating what he's heard over right. the years. Well, and, and what I have to wonder is, and, and Peter St. Ange is an, he's an economist, right? So I mean, I presume he knows what he's talking about, but I could have sworn my understanding with the Federal Reserve was they are the buyer of last resort. It's not the private citizens. And they've been buying for decades now. Right. So why are, you know, I don't know why he doesn't think that they're going to gobble this up. I mean, it just means more debt for them to uh, get interest payments on from the federal government. That's if the federal government can't sell its treasuries to China, if they can't sell its treasuries, the $1.85 trillion worth of them in the next six months, apparently, if they can't sell them to Japan, they can't sell them to China, and they can't sell them to enough of the private citizens, the Federal Reserve is supposed to buy them. As I understand it, that's and like the deal, isn't it? Peter Schiff says they've been doing that right along. Right. The, the Federal Reserve has been doing it. So I don't know about what he was saying earlier with that. It would be great to get him on here to explain that. The journal quotes one expert worried about what we saw in the UK last year when fears over government debt sent bond yields skyrocketing 140% in two months that crashed UK bond prices, which put banks and even major pension funds at risk of bankruptcy. Meanwhile, the British pound plunged, losing 24% of its value against the dollar in just a couple months and almost hitting dollar parity. That's what you would expect from a third world country, not the United Kingdom. The British government, of course, panicked, ditching a planned tax cut to revive the economy, essentially waving the white flag that perhaps the UK can never again cut taxes now that it has become a slave to its national debt. Keep in mind, the US is in much worse shape than the UK. The Hmm. UK's national debt just passed 100% of GDP, while the US is bumbling along at 137% and a 137% 
is the percentage of national debt against the GDP against the GDP. Yep. So that means that the gross domestic product of the United States cannot even cover the national debt. Really sounds like a good reason to have some silver and some gold in your <laughs> in your in your pocket. I'm serious. Like I literally just went and got myself uh 50 of these, uh, actually 100 of these uh, bits right here, these uh, silver bits from the local silver mint, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm actually going to trade it. I'm going to buy some hay and some cattle off a guy uh, yeah. on Saturday, and he said, bring some goldbacks and bring me some of them little silver pieces you showed me. Hmm. And he's like, I, I, I want some silver, and so I'm going to trade them, you know, I'm going to trade one bit per bale of hay, which is like a $5 bale of hay for a bit. That's amazing. And uh, and I'm bringing him actually a whole silver barter bag that's available from jmbullion.com. It is the ultimate survival tool. This is the most important silver you can st- stack. Uh, you would use it to purchase basic essentials like a dozen eggs from your neighbor or a basket of vegetables. One ounce of silver is too big. Yes, you'll probably pay a slightly higher premium to buy the ten ounce, ten pieces of silver in an ounce than one. But well, they're you, more, they're more useful. But they're yeah, they're super useful. They're um you know uh they're easy to spend. They're easy to make change with, and they're just really valuable. Just like the gold back and, and in New Hampshire, these things, these silver bits from local silver mint are trading, uh basically just like the um the gold backs uh, at about in, twice in, spot, right? Yeah, about twice spot. Yep, that's interesting. Uh, I hope that works out. I hear some businesses are actually accepting the silver in the area. Yep, which, and goldbacks. Which is pretty cool. Uh, we are out of time for tonight. Check out Peter St. Ange. His uh, Twitter or X account is at Prof St. Ange. That's P-R-O-F-S-T-O-N-G-E. He's got some cool updates, and he does them seven days a week. The guy is uh, he's a workhorse. We'll see you tomorrow night. Freetalklive.com. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com